0: wherever you think your boundary is if you can if you can get to that point but then step just a little bit further the whole world opens up again
1: that was mike coddy and this is episode 127 of the rich roll podcast the rich roll podcast Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. My name is Rich Roll. I am an ultra endurance athlete, a best-selling author, a wellness evangelist, a lifestyle entrepreneur, a husband, and a father of four kids. Thanks for tuning in. Where each week I sit down with the best and the brightest, the most forward-thinking, paradigm-busting minds in health and wellness and fitness and sports and nutrition in the arts and even entrepreneurship to help you discover Uncover, unlock, and unleash your best, most authentic self. Thanks for listening. Thank you for spreading the word to your friends and on social media. Thank you for clicking through the Amazon banner ad at richworld.com for all your Amazon purchases. We're brought to you today by Momentus. Over the last 16 years, I can safely say that I have tried almost every single plant-based protein out there. And I can tell you that most of them are highly processed with tons of additives and or they taste terrible. They're not third-party tested or simply just don't hit the nutritional bullseye with a legit science-supported formula with the appropriate amino acid profile that promotes optimal nutrient absorption, which is all just a long way of saying how enthusiastic I was to be introduced to Momentus's 100% plant-based protein, which solves for all of the above and then some with a precise blend of pea and rice proteins, which yields a complete amino acid profile, tastes great, and has become my go-to to ensure my body is supplied with energy for proper recovery and function. Momentus products are simply the best in the industry, which is why they're used by over 90% of NFL teams by Olympians, Tour de France champs, and world-class athletes across every sport. With all the BS in the supplement world, I trust Momentus's industry-leading quality standards and quality. Try Momentus for yourself by going to livemomentus.com slash richroll for 20% off plant-based protein and all of their top-of-the-line products. That's dot scom slash richroll for 20% off. My favorite is their double IPA, not just another story. But basically, you just really can't go wrong because everything they make is brewed to perfection, worthy of trying yourself, which you can now do at gobrewing.com. That's gobrewing.com and use the code RICHROLL for 15% off your first purchase. All right, finally, on to today's guest. I want to open it up, though, with... thought an idea and that idea is this what can be mined from the abyss that separates ordinary from extraordinary what can be mined from the abyss that separates ordinary from extraordinary and that idea is sort of at the crux of this week's show and this week's guest it's a guy called Mike Cotty Mike Cotty is a super interesting guy He's a cyclist, and although he's never pedaled a single stage of the Tour de France as a professional cyclist, Mike is a guy who has done things on the bike that would make even Jens Voigt cringe. Who's Jens Voigt? If you're not a cyclist, well, he's sort of, uh, it's kind of an inside joke in cycling because Jens Voigt is, uh, for those who don't know, is kind of the consensus hard man in the pro peloton. Like nobody is tougher than Jens. And uh, Mike Cotti's done some stuff that I think uh, would impress even Jens. So here's a taste of what that is. Last summer, imagine this. Mike rode his bike 1,000 kilometers nonstop. Not enough for you. That ride was across 21 mountains in the Dolomites, the Eastern Alps, and the Swiss Alps. He went from a small town in Italy all the way to Mont Blanc in France. He covered 21,000 meters in elevation gain. That's a lot of climbing uphill. And he did it in 54 hours of riding without sleep. 54 hours on his bike without stopping. 1,000 kilometers, 21 mountains. What's that like? I'll tell you what that's like. That would be like riding 8 to 10 stages of the Tour de France without stopping. It's insane. I've done some crazy stuff, but I really don't even know how that's even possible. Uh, And it's not the only time he's done something like this. He rode 684 kilometers for 30 hours straight across the Pyrenees, from the Atlantic to the Mediterranean. Uh, And he also rode, I don't know, 677 kilometers ascending 16,000 meters of elevation game all the way across the Alps. Like, this is an ultra-endurance cyclist, bar none. So obviously, I would not characterize Mike as a normal guy, (laughs) far from normal. But there is a very relatable everyman aspect to Mike's story that really captured my fancy and I thought would make for a really interesting podcast conversation. So just because Mike is a guy who lacked the pure natural talent to be a competitive professional cyclist at the very highest level, I'm talking about Tour de France, like international pro teams, that didn't mean that Mike was just going to hang up his bike. Instead, he embarked on a journey that found him walking out on a very secure career as an engineer, To basically courageously jump into the abyss, a decision to live on his own terms and in accordance with his passion, the simplest things that he loves about life, like riding his bike, like connecting with nature, like expressing himself creatively and sharing his life experience to educate and inspire others to live more authentically. Mike's path was hardly linear. I mean, whose is, right? But today, he's not only an extraordinarily accomplished athlete, he's a respected filmmaker, he is a brand ambassador, he's a media consultant, and he's an entrepreneur. And through his company, it's called Media24, he develops marketing strategy and creates compelling content for top-tier organizations like Mavic and Cannondale and the Cannondale Garmin professional cycling team. And he more recently launched a passion project. It's called The Coal Collective, C-O-L, coal. It means uh, climb in a certain European language. Uh, and what is The Coal Collective? Well, it's a high-quality online video resource dedicated to helping inspire and educate cyclists to reach the summit of the greatest mountain passes in the world. It's a series of videos in which Mike climbs up these extraordinarily beautiful mountains and kind of talks about The history of the climb and cycling and how to approach it from a cyclist perspective, what to expect and how to enjoy the journey of the ascent. And what's cool about Mike is he's, you know, he's a guy who's pretty much without ego. He's really well grounded in a true desire to just educate, positively impact and inspire people to overcome their own barriers. All of these elements, of course, make for a great conversation about passion, about pushing past that voice in your head that wants you to quit, about what's required to break through seemingly insurmountable barriers, and about the self-discovery incident to attempting something personally unprecedented. So this is a conversation about the value and importance of hard work over the life hack, about pain, suffering, joy, and pride that comes with embracing the journey And it's about living in balance with nature. It's about faith, having a strong conviction about yourself and the path ahead. And it's about what's required to turn your passion into your profession. So let's check them out. We had a nice ride the other day. You had a nice tour here today. (laughs) How did did the tour at Sideshow go?
0: Oh, man, this place is incredible. We Uh, walked in and suddenly back to remembering Terminator 2 on the big screen and what the guys do just to see. I mean, it's interesting to see the passion of everyone here. That's mm -hmm. what sort of brings it home. Greg uh, gave us the... The, uh, the the tour and uh, just to see everyone's you know attention to detail and they just want to be doing it because this is what they 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 live and dream and you know
1: that's incredible but you can't relate to that can you
0: oh not at all no not <laughs> at all no it's good to see all these uh, talented spirits. people kindred yeah.
1: spirits in their own in their own unique expression of basically what is a uh, you know the same thing that you do just in a different manner
0: well that's that's the beauty of it at the end of the day um, you know I've always uh, from my personal experiences, it's like, well, this is just what's in me, um, mm-hmm. and it's great to see you know you come five thousand miles around the world and see other people just experiencing their own thing in their own way, um, and forging a, a life and a career, and and you know everything which is in their heart and soul to. Uh, basically better themselves and, and hopefully bring a little bit of extra joy to the world. That's what we're here for.
1: Mm-hmm. Very good. I like that. Well, let's, uh, let's set the stage a little bit. I want to put this in context, especially for the non-cyclists that are listening. Um, who are trying to wrap their brain around who you are and what you do uh, just to yeah to give you guys an idea of uh, you know what this guy is all about and some of the things that he's done s- setting aside kind of the advocacy and the education and the inspirational work that you do um, and focusing on just the pure athleticism uh, you've done some pretty remarkable things as a uh, I guess it's fair to call you an ultra endurance cyclist, although I know you like to just think of yourself as someone who goes out for really long yeah. bike rides. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, yeah, but we're talking like <laughs> really long bike rides. Yeah.
0: Put the, you know, the word ultra and it, that sort of defines something, but you know, it what immediately categorizes and, you as something. Yeah. Right. I mean, I still, I do all sorts of stuff on the bike. So sometimes it's short, sometimes it's very long, but uh-huh. uh, what's in for me, uh, yeah, the, the, the most amount of freedom comes from just when I'm, I leave my mind at the door and just go out and ride and right uh, we'll see what happens at the end of the ride
1: (laughs) and uh and and last august you uh this past august you left your your house and went out for a little bit of a jaunt a little bit of a long ride right that ended up uh let's see you rode without sleeping over 54 hours you rode over a thousand kilometers and had accumulated over twenty one thousand two hundred and fifty meters in elevation gain without sleeping yeah that was a, <laughs> and twenty that that includes twenty one mountains yeah, so twenty one yeah. mountain passes that you rode your bike over
0: yeah i mean it was a yeah it was a total dream um it didn 't just happen um obviously it 's kind of the last fifteen years building and building and building mm-hmm. um, and just you know life's led me in that direction, and this was last August was the uh, the accumulation of everything, everything which i i 'd lived for for so long, and uh, yeah it 's just one of those things you you just don 't know even what 's around the corner you don 't know i mean I, I every time I go to the mountains for me that 's just where I feel uh complete peace and freedom and nature and everything 's there, and that 's what gives energy and I think if you 're in an environment where uh you can you 're gifted to be able to switch off from the world for a bit mm-hmm. um you know your mind can just uh, be put to one side and you can just go and achieve and, and try and ride and do what, what feels good for you. And, and that was kind of the story behind it. And, you know, we got there after a lot of, uh, a lot of training, a lot of years, uh, experience and, 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 moving up to that. But, uh, yeah, ultimately it was, let's just, let's just see if we can, we can do something and, and get free for a while. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: uh, you made it through, right? So <laughs> I want to, I want to find Spired. out a little yeah. bit more about, uh, you know, how this all went down. I mean, look a thousand miles 21 mountains that that amount of elevation gain this is like riding i guess is it fair to i mean it's sort of like riding like eight or ten uh uh, legs of the Tour de France, you know, all at once without sleeping, like yeah. just back to back to back to back, right?
0: Yeah, I think if you if you want to put sort of trying to put it in perspective, if you can, it's a um, Tour de France stage would probably be maybe 4,000 meters. Mm-hmm. Um, so in elevation gain. In eleva- elevation like gain. Maybe like
1: anywhere from 100 to 200 kilometers. Right? Yeah,
0: yeah. And then, I mean, it was 1,000 K. Right. So 1,000 K um, or just over 1,000 K, uh, but, but the elevation, and it's funny because um, I'm I could even be doing myself a disservice on the elevation because we had a lot of rain, um, like seven or eight hours of torrential rain on the first night. Mm. And that um, stopped the barometric pressure on my Garmin working. So when I got to the end, I s- clocked it. Oh, yeah, it's 21,000 meters of climbing. And then a guy on Twitter looked at the route profile and said, oh, I think you're doing yourself down. It's, it's more <laughs> like 23 and a half. I've looked at your f- the
1: thing. Yeah, and- topo map should be able to yeah, sort that out. So, for
0: you, right? but I mean, yeah, it's a, it's about, I would say. I mean, the thing is... If you want to categorise it, yes, it's around the eight stages of the tour or something like this in terms of elevation gain, but mm-hmm. I've never looked at, you know, the challenge for me isn't about categorising it. It's can I do eight stages of the Tour of France? Can I do ten? It was, for me, it's an A to B. It's, we started off in uh, Italy, Con- Conigliano, and the goal was to uh, traverse the Dolomites um, followed by the uh, Italian and Eastern Alps and then the Swiss Alps and finish up at Mont Blanc. Um, mm-hmm. So it's very much an A to B uh, journey. Um which isn 't yeah, I mean, yeah, you can look at Tour de France stages and that, but that 's not the <laughs> it was just can i can I do it? can I do it right will my mind last, will my body last, and uh, just the experience and every experience which i 've had like that um in the past has just given me so much more um more knowledge about myself and more knowledge about the world and more knowledge about, you know, everything which I've believed in. Uh, and maybe people in the past have sort of, you know, said, hey, that's not going to work. You can't do this. It's impossible. And you say, well, how do I know unless I'm going to try? Mm-hmm. Simple equation. Let's mm-hmm. get on the bike and try. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and, it, and, it,
1: and as lunatic as it sounds, I mean, you built up to this. I mean, you know, in the years prior, you did two other crazy challenges that were just almost, you know, barely a step down from this that 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 led up to this. I mean, you had... The one uh, in 2013, you you basically rode all of the Alps over 33 hours, right? Yeah, that was yeah. like 677 kilometers. And the year before that, you rode the Pyrenees. And uh, oh, that was 2011. That was like a 30-hour ride, yeah. right?
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the sort of background which I had, um, you know, if I sort of cast my mind back a long time I, I always had the, a sort of fascination with the mind and the body and this was when I was a real young kid and I was at school and we were in science class and the teacher was talking about a 100 mile ride and no one could get their head around it and I was thinking well the reason why everyone's so screwed up on this at the moment is the fact that they're saying it's 100 miles and they know that where we come from if you go up to London and halfway back it's about 100 miles so you sit on the motorway for an hour and a half and then mm. you turn around and you come back and you go hey that's a long way but yeah but if you're going to Scotland, it's not that far, is it? So they'd already limited themselves, their perception on what what a far, a a long distance was. And that was just, that was the nuts and bolts of the way my mind worked back then. I said, well, if you're going to put a limitation on something, then of course, you're going to straight away, the mind is going to sort of switch off and say, it can't be done, it can't be done. So, yeah, I mean, the the build-up... for me was, you know, many, many years of just going out and exploring. And, uh, it was kind of an interesting, uh, way to, to, to sort of build up to it through a racing sort of side of my, my cycling Mm -hmm. through to what gave me, as I say, the most, the real most joy was just going out there and and riding and and doing big rides, whether they're on my own or part of a, like a part of a group or with some friends or, or whatever, and just feeling that escapism. And, you know, it was an sort of accumulation of all of that, uh, which led me to get to the big the big big stuff.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, and and I'm interested in you know, you know I'm real I'm fascinated by normal people that do extraordinary things. And 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 I wouldn't categorize you as normal by any stretch I'm of normal, the imagination. Totally normal. <laughs> but but I think what is interesting about your story is that you know you had a dream as a young person of being a professional cyclist and and sort of realized um as you immersed yourself in the world of cycling that maybe you were you know lacking that extra gene that was going to put you in the pro peloton and and then having to grapple with well what next right like 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 if i'm not going to be that guy if i'm not going to be you know racing the tour de france but i still love cycling what am i going to do now
0: yeah i mean i think that's exactly right i um i had dreams and i still have dreams of you know it it never dies i'm just like
1: yeah i'm a pro i could do this i'm Uh gonna race well you qualify as a pro cyclist and you are you make your living as a cyclist you are a professional cyclist yeah it's a different yeah you from professional (laughs) racing cyclist
0: professional (laughs) ambassador or or cyclist there you know there i think it's it's kind of the modern day approach to things now but i i always had Ambitions um, when I was growing up, and that 's what led me to uh, originally the the whole healthy lifestyle thing because it was like you know you have to put the right fuel in your body and to race well it was all, I had a, an upbringing where Friday nights was early night, uh, Saturday nights was prepping up Sunday was racing, and I lived like that for a long long time um, but ultimately uh, I got to i got to just outside uh, 20, 21 years old and um, I was working uh, in engineering and it was kind of a a junction in my life where I was still super young I really didn't know anything about anything but I'd um, I'd done engineering at at, uh, college and I was working and and I got qualified as a, a mechanical design engineer. And, and from that point, I said, hey, great. I've now, I'm, I'm sort of safe. I've got something. I'm, mm-hmm. You know, I'm young and I've got something. And I thought, could I progress um, the cycling side of things? And I was only ever dreaming of cycling, to be honest. I just had to do this to keep everyone happy at home. It's like, yay, you know, Mike's mm-hmm. got some qualifications now. Great, he can go and, you know, get a proper career. And and I just was never content with that. So even, even at 21, I... I, I just went on the internet and uh this was this was what really got me in the bike industry so we've got no no family in the industry or anything like that but i just was like every time i got on my bike i just feel like this is where i need to be and uh and i managed to get a job in the bike world and and that led me to to living in europe which was a whole life experience straight away um, right
1: so so you you graduate from college university yeah qualifications meaning you got your degree right so yeah you're a mechanical yeah. engineer and you go to work in the aerospace industry right That's Like it aerospace and yeah. so you're just you're being a good young man you're yeah, doing yeah. the proper you know responsible thing by pursuing this uh, you know, very secure career track where you could have very well stayed. And you're still trying to race, right? Like you're you're at night, you're training and you're still like, I don't know, what are you doing at that?
0: Time? Yeah, 100%. I mean, life revolved around uh, racing and cycling. And I would uh, have Monday's recovery day at work. It was like, make sure mm-hmm. I sit down a lot because it's a hard race Sunday. And, and yeah, I mean,
1: planning the training and it was just amazing. Uh, I, I just but are people saying, come on man, like when are you going to give that up? Like you're you, you know, let's let's well, invest to be a little honest, more in the was, aerospace. Or... <laughs> there was
0: I mean, I saw at British Aerospace, I saw uh, guys who had been engineers for 40 years and they'd done the apprenticeship and they'd and they were 60 65 years old and then they were going to retire and I just thought no way. It's just it's just for me, I mean, it's you know, it's a, a you know, it's uh, admirable to to put the time in like that and but I just it just didn't resonate with me like that. I just had to, I just had to try and, bring forward what I felt I'd invested a lot of time in cycling, but even at that age, it was, it was still in its infancy because Mm -hmm. you're only 20, 21 years old. It's only so much time you can put into it, but it was just the whole process of like, this is, this is where I feel safest sort of thing. So, um, but then you have the, the peer pressure really because you get to that age and it's all about, you know, people, um, at college, university drinking starts and parties and you have to fit in. And really, I I was lucky in some respect, uh, some aspect because you know my parents were so supportive at that age. All they wanted to do was make sure that if we if we wanted to do something, they would they wouldn't they wouldn't push us, but they would just say, hey, yeah, you know what, we'll support, we'll take you to races, we'll do whatever it takes. And uh, mm. you know I you know I've got a lot to to thank for for mum and dad for just running us around the country and keeping us on the right track. And uh, but then when I moved abroad, um, started working for a, a, a American Bike Company. Uh, back in two thousand and that was where you know got in the bike industry it suddenly is like wow this is a dream come true.
1: Right. So so the first kind of big risk that you take is you say Sayonara to British Aerospace, yeah. right? Like that's a good job, right? That's an amazing like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I for wish. you to say, I'm gonna go I mean first of all, how do you even get a job at a bike company, but we'll get there. Yeah. And and then to and then to say, well I'm gonna leave where I grew up and I'm gonna go to a a foreign country where they don't even speak the language on this flyer because I have this dream. I mean that's you know, that's a that's a big step for anybody, let alone yeah. a young person to make. So that's the first kind of foray into uh, you know, sort of taking a leap of faith, I suppose, that that of moving in the direction of, of living your passion.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was I was actually lucky in some respect because I was working in engineering. So uh, the Cannondale team, uh, they 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 sort of influenced me a lot. There was a lot of young riders; they were seemed to be dominating the world at the time, and I was inspired by them. And then the brand itself was super innovative. It was uh, high performing. So from an engineering sort of mechanical point of view, it ticked the box. From the team point of view, it ticked the box. So that I was I was really inspired by that whole setup. So Mm -hmm. first of all, it was right. Let's get on the internet and. find out a bit more about this company and how I can get in there. But of course, it's like you can't just dream up a job and suddenly, hey, guys, look, I'd like to work for you. It just doesn't <laughs> work like that. So uh, and I actually found. Um, so how did you
1: get this job?
0: Well, OK, so I I just went on the um, I literally just went on their website and uh, looked through all the jobs and found uh, a job uh, based in their central location in in switzerland in basel and uh it was for a marketing coordinator and i'd just done a bunch of engineering so i had no real qualifications right that that (laughs) that, that
1: doesn't involve you uh designing bicycles no no that's
0: the whole point i mean (laughs) i thought maybe if i was going in as a design engineer or something from the Mm -hmm. tech side but uh i mean i've always been i've always uh, i guess had a, a a sort of vision for looking a little bit past um Yeah, the normality, so to speak. And uh, I mean, this is what I wanted. So I said, hey, you know, maybe if I just apply and I looked at what they needed and I thought, well, okay, I mean, I've got great bike knowledge. I know you know, about their riders and about their team. I'm passionate about what what they stand for. Um, And I'm young, so, you know, they can teach me anything. Uh, I'm like a sponge. I just work hard and soak it up. But Mm -hmm. you've got to get in there. You've got to get in front of the people. So um, I thought, well, you know, this was, it's funny, I was talking to an old colleague just a couple of months ago. And he remembered the CV that I sent in 15 years later. And I thought, well, maybe I did something right there. But uh, I just thought, well, I've got no no marketing qualifications. And how am I going to get in front of this global company and, and make a mark at, at 21 years old? So I put together a yeah, like an interactive CV, back in the day of CD-ROMs, and yeah. Yeah, this is
1: not. Yeah, I mean, today maybe that would be something that they're maybe more used to seeing, yeah. but back in 2000, not so much.
0: No, I mean, I just thought, well, black and white. I'm going to be the same as every other guy, so let's give him something, and you know. Boosted up with a bit of Red Hot Chili Pe- Chili Peppers music when it co- when they <laughs> when they shove it in the machine and they you know no one likes uh, you know as soon as soon as you put something in your computer music comes on but hey at least they'll remember me uh-huh. and then they'll be ah oh, it was the guy who gave us a CD with a bunch of information on and they really liked it they were like they're a super innovative innovative company so uh, got a phone call saying you better come on out and we'll just have a chat and it yeah. uh, went out for a chat and uh, that must have been in the. I think June, around June two thousand, and uh, by August I was packing my bags and moving out of home and and trying to look for an apartment on my own in mm-hmm. in Basel, which was, you know, a real trajectory, fast trajectory to, I guess, a life lesson in you know, come on, Mike, you got to you got to fend for yourself now.
1: Right, right, but th- but this is still like, let's make no mistakes. This is not you, you know, hanging out with Peter Sagan. You know? no, <laughs> like, no, this no, is you no. know, you, is... you're taking, you're moving in the right direction, but you're. This is not a, a job that involves you riding a bike at all. This no, is, this is pure marketing. This is an job. Yeah,
0: marketing for the the brand, and uh, I mean a lot of event work. So we were trying to promote the brand through events and, and doing demos and things like this. Uh, but the whole nuts and bolts of the job really was with the press. So it was mm-hmm. uh, organizing product reviews and tests, and being the front man for the brand for for that market. Um, which was, as I say, it was it was a dream for me. I was suddenly in the bike world. But right. I would I would go to a team camp, and I would be be like, I really want to be a pro cyclist still. I'm, I, yeah. I get the opportunity once or twice a year to hang out at team camp and oh, I just couldn't let the dream die. I was just like, I just want to be doing what those guys are doing. Right. So, it's
1: kind of a it's kind of a shadow artist thing, right? Because yeah. you're in the world, but you're not, you want to be one of the guys, but you're not really the guy. You're you're the guy around the guys. In fact, you're, you're uh,
0: nowhere near yeah, one of the guys. Yeah. You're like, who is this guy? That's yeah, who you are. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's pretty funny. So how do you go from like, who is this guy to being like, oh, that guy?
0: Well, I mean, several... <laughs> <laughs> <Was that> for...
1: <laughs>
0: Crikey, how did I do that? Okay, let's think back. I No, I mean, I was uh, hanging out at team camp a couple of times. Um, and I, I honestly... You do, when
1: you would go to these team camps, are you starting the filming part now or is no, that, that comes later? This
0: is this is way, way, way before. Uh-huh. So what we would do at team camp is uh, we would launch a product. So, for example, we'd have a new race bike. A new bike, right. And then we'd invite all the press along. And, you know, it was actually a really big learning curve. I remember at the time the, uh, the head of marketing, uh, they won on a sabbatical, which was great for me because it, I got to step up big time. Mm-hmm. And back in 2001, I think it was 2001, 2002, they launched a brand new race bike. And I'd been, I'd, at that point I had the, I had been in the marketing office the longest. So I was 22. <laughs> so it was like, Hey Mike, you're going to organize our global product launch for, you know, for Australia, for Japan, for America, we're going to get the Europeans over. So you just got to get on and coordinate the lot. And it was like, wow okay right i'm i'm gonna make them mm-hmm. make a difference here so pulling in all the media and all the press and putting the the presentations together and and planning out the rides and all the team activities was it was a massive step up for for a kid basically but it was a dream it was like this is this is awesome but i was still very much uh you know the team are on their table for dinner and we we're on our table for dinner and mm-hmm. there was a big divide there because it's an italian team as well so right right you know the culture's different everything's different yeah so, it's like uh, a,
1: it's like a scene out of breaking Away. Way where they're spitting on the American. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: you've you hit the nail yeah, on the head, and you yeah. kind of you never feel you are working. You're part of the same team, your same brand, same company, but uh, it's, a pecking order. it's a different department, yeah. you know. And you're in that department, and these guys are there, they're the pros in 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 their department. So
1: right, but you're moving up the ladder here. At, yeah, so so when does it? When does the, the the filmmaker in you start to come out? Like, where does this sort of transition into you kind of making an indelible mark that is uniquely? you?
0: Well, what, um, it was around 2004, 2005. Um, and really what happened there was, uh, Cannondale started playing around with motorcycles. Um, and with that, I got an opportunity to do marketing for, for the moto side of the business. And I, I just, you know, really the, the moto side died. And I can say now I didn't care one iota for the moto side. I was mm-hmm. about the push bike and, and, um, because they invested so much money in the moto side, um, the company went into bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. So chapter 11 bankruptcy. And, uh, and then I was a marketing guy and they put everything on, on freeze. Uh, the budgets were on freeze and everything like this. So they said, right, Mike, you've got no budget now. Um, you need to market our product, but you can't advertise, you can't. And obviously when you advertise, you have a better relationship with the media because you scratch their back, they scratch mm-hmm. yours. And it's not, uh, you know, it just keeps the industry going. Um, that's kind of the way the world works. But, uh, so I sort of sat down and, and really was like, well, if I've got no budget and you know, what's my job, what am I doing here? I can't, I can't do anything. So again, I looked and went, well, how can we bring value to the brand? How, how can we bring value to, uh, to people reading magazines? This was at the time it was, it was more print media and I sort of, sort of scratched my head and said, well, okay, well, how about I go to the UK and pitch an idea to a big magazine and say, let's go and ride, say 10 big climbs in the UK and make a feature on it. And we'll bring some value to your readers and we'll give you uh, some exclusive free content. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, if you like it, that's cool. And uh, you know, that was that was really the that was the first time I thought. It, up until that point, you know, you're being creative, you're you're trying to do a good job. But then, my back was against the wall because it was like resources were taken away. So I was right. like, Well, I want to do a better job. I want to get the brand out there. I want to make sure that we're still in front of every every person who reads a magazine. It's um, interesting
1: how the lack of resources then forged the the quantum leap forward. Like the 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 you know all the creativity came out of, you know, a lack rather yeah. than a surplus.
0: Yeah. I mean, I love the, uh, I love trying to take a situation and, and, and make something of it. Um, you know, if you, whether you're on the bike and you're doing 50 hours and thinking this can't be done and going, well, hang on a minute, let's just break it down. Let's just put the pieces of the puzzle and see if we can arrange them and make a nice shape out of it and go like this actually makes sense now. So, I really, really just uh, sat down and said, "Okay, look, if I can get some good content which is is good for the reader, then the magazine's going to like it, and it's kind of like going full circle." Um, and we we ended up doing a really nice feature uh, in a big magazine in the UK, and and from that they they did a follow up, and then we did a reader you know, like toughest climb, and we asked the readers what they wanted, so it was really interactive, and that's that's really. I mean, it was all print back then, really. Um,
1: so the idea was, you'd go out and ride these climbs, you'd document it, you'd film it, it yeah. would be photographed. You're riding a Cannondale bike. This is yeah. Getting, I mean, this just, is getting the brand in the media without having to do an ad buy.
0: Yeah, and and, and just trying to make it offer some actual content that people want to read. Right. I mean,
1: ads it's ads uh,
0: serve a purpose, but at the end of the day, you know, you can skip over the ad because it's all you know, we're great, we're great, we're great, and that's right. that's pretty much what they say. And then
1: we're great. No, we're great.
0: No, no we're We're better. better. We're better. You know? So I just <laughs> wanted to say hey we're all great but like you know we're going to go off in this direction and we're going to try and if you want to ride these climbs then here's how to do it we'll do a breakdown mm-hmm. of it and uh, you had
1: you had you been racing throughout i mean i assumed you continued to train but like where were you in the um but when
0: i was in when i was in europe i i did a bit of mountain bike racing and 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 continued actually uh, there's a really big cyclo sportive scene out in Europe. Um, and it's very individual and it's all about, it, it's kind of more, um, experience based. So you get the front runners and mm-hmm. I, I was, I did, uh, quite a big sportive, uh, series 2004 and, um, it got pretty high up and, and won a couple of races, which I thought was cool. Um, but then, um, eventually I ended up moving back in 2005. So I sort of, I, I was racing, but most of the time I was, I was taking my myself out and just doing Mm. these crazy big rides and seeing how far I could go on as little food and drink as I could because (laughs) it was just extreme. And there were these water stops. I remember water stops like 20, 30, 40 miles apart. And could I make it to the water stop without, you know, filling up beforehand and just setting myself personal challenges, which I, I just always excited me.
1: Right, right, right. So, all right. So you're, you're, you're embarking on this idea of, you know, documenting these climbs and and getting these pieces out into the media and so suddenly you're the guy on the bike who's in in the magazine (laughs) yeah but this is working for the brand right so this starts to slowly expand and this kind of um, creates additional opportunities for you to start working with the guys on the the pro team right
0: yeah i mean eventually what happened was um actually a chap uh called marcus knew it, which i met he's a german guy um and the video side came in he, he he approached cannondale um through a through a friend and said look i actually want to turn um some of the the big sort of mountains and and courses. And I was doing a lot of sportive, so I was sort of racing to a point um, in Europe um, on the sort of mass participation side of things Mm -hmm. Um, and he said hey I tell you what I'd love to make videos he actually left he'd be a great guy to have on the podcast Mm -hmm. he left uh, Procter & Gamble he was you know done with the rat race and he said I'm going to buy a video camera and I want to go and film cyclists so he contacted Cannondale and we hooked up and uh, there was a a project in 2000, end of 2006 where he was like hey I want to go and film etap de Tour is one stage of the Tour de France which amateur riders get to do each year and he said hey I want to go and film this stage do you want to be the rider and presenter and I was like, "Yes, absolutely. This is exactly what I want to try and achieve." Um, we linked up, and within ten minutes, it was like I'd known him for ten years. It was mm. such an easy relationship. He had exactly the same ethos as me. Just wanted to try and get out there and do something different, and, and try and help people. and uh, And we've worked together for sort of seven or eight years, or whatever, um, since. Uh, and that was kind of like where the video stuff started coming in. We started doing our own video projects. Uh, this was actually more behind the scenes I was still working full time with Cannondale but then I'd take some holiday or we'd take a couple of days off and we'd go and do these other projects and really it was that was the evolution that led to eventually when I when I decided uh actually I need to really go in my own direction from Mm -hmm. Cannondale from being an employee to hey I'm going to start my own business um I already had some video skills. I already had the uh, you know the the numbers behind. Hey, we can do this. And Cannondale right. then went full circle and said, "Okay, look, we understand what you want to try and achieve from a personal point of view, but." we actually need a a little bit of a box ticked over in this direction and do you want to make our videos for the pro team now which was which we started doing in 2012 so we fast-tracked a little bit but so it was a very it was a gradual we we did sort of six years in the background of our own video work um just because that was in us and we wanted to try and explore and and make these these uh these dvds and and videos and films which which could help riders who were going to take on the big challenges for themselves of course they couldn't race the tour de France, but they could do a, a big event in Italy or Spain or France. So we wanted to be the guys who would say, okay, if you're going to go and try that, it's a life experience. Let's try and help you. Let's mm-hmm. try and tell you where the hard sections are or the easy sections or the feed zones. And, and so it gave us that five, six years worth of, um, of knowledge and experience. And I never had, I never, never envisaged, uh, working with the pro guys making videos with Peter Sagan or, you know, Moreno Moser or mm-hmm. any of the Cannondale guys. Um, I just that was never on my radar and suddenly it was like you're now a video guy okay (laughs) right now you're the video (laughs) guy
1: well it's interesting those those la top you know kind of all the coverage that you got from that I mean you you go through the cycling magazines and there's you and you're like pages and pages of you here's how you do this client, here's how you do here's how you approach this like from a very kind of you know professorial like educational and inspirational you know tutorial for all of these cyclists across Europe and the world who want to descend on France in the summertime and and grab their piece of this experience for themselves
0: yeah i mean it's when i look back it's um it's humbling really to, to think that just, just a dream can turn into something because you just, you just want to, I mean, I was always just inspired just to go and ride and be like, look, if I'm in the mountains, I feel this is just a really good place. You see so much and to get from the, from the valley to the top of a mountain is a huge achievement. Mm -hmm. And to, I felt so fulfilled every time I would do it, whether it was a, a good day or I was feeling bad or whether the weather was good or bad or whatever you, you still have, everyone has a story. Um, and you know, our, our whole sort of ethos and passion was just to try and build something that could tap into the great outdoors again and, and make life simple for people. And you know, there's so much content available nowadays, but you just want to have a, a good resource where you can go. Yeah, we trust them. You know, they're going to look after us, and and that's really the that's what we're always going to live by. That's what mm. we're we're going to do. But it, you know, it is amazing just to think over the years. You know, the, the, the pages in the magazine and the projects we've worked on and just the opportunities which have evolved, which have been good just just by purely getting out there and, and having a, the desire. You know, it wasn't someone saying, actually, if you, if you do this, then that might happen and then that'll lead to this. No, we just got on and said, this is really, really what's in me. This is just what right. it's all about.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I mean, when I look at your path, I see you know, a lot of faith. I see a huge work ethic. Uh, I see a tremendous amount of passion and I see trust. I mean, just to kind of back it up, you know, you could have stayed at Cannondale and had an amazing job that was really well within the realm of, you know, what you're passionate about. Yeah. And I think most people probably would have held on to that job and continued to kind of ascend through the ranks there. And you reached a point where you said, no, it's time for the next evolution, it's time for me to kind of take a step, you know, into the unknown and, and, and trust and have faith again. I mean, what was that, you know, thought process and what motivated you to then, you know, take a leap again? Well, you
0: know, yeah, you are right. Um, (coughs) I, absolutely from the outside, the whole Cannondale world, it was, was absolutely uh, a dream come true from a very early age. Um, but I'd worked, I'd worked with those guys for, as an employee for 12 years. Um, and the whole evolution really came, um, uh, from obviously the background, which I'd had, but you know, 12 years down the line, it was like, I just didn't feel that this was everything, which I could have in my life, like not Mm -hmm. just for me, but just like, it's about being able to like, look back and say, you know what, I tried to get the most out of myself for my own reasons, but also for what I believe I can achieve as an individual to bring something which is bigger than just me. So it was a case of sort of saying, you know, I can, I can work for this, this company, I can work and do everything and uh, yeah, we're stable, we're enjoying it. We've got a, you know, good, um, yeah, yeah, just good salary and and good benefits and everything. But it was like, yeah, but that's not what life is. It's not I need to do what's what I feel is really within me as an individual. And that was to to make a leap. And, and at the same time, you know, the goal, which I had the dream, which I had was to build something which, you know, I was 100% passionate about 100% had great faith in that uh you know I could use my my skills for the last 10 or 15 years which I'd developed to to try and better the world of cycling in in some respect and uh but that also meant that I couldn't do it on my own so mm-hmm. I had to had to drag my girlfriend out of her job for she'd been with a big corporate (laughs) organization for over a decade um and you know we sat down and said hey you know looking at what we've done is this could we make a business of this um I had a couple of sort of epiphany moments really which inspired me just to say you know it's now or never I've just got to do it now or never or I'm just gonna I'm just Going to get more frustrated and not being able to use my potential as a an individual to uh, to do what I think I can do.
1: So, what was it that was lacking in the Cannondale job? I mean, when you say you weren't you weren't able to you know realize your potential, what about you know what did you feel you know your potential was driving you towards that was not available to you in that job? I think with I
0: think it was just a lot of it was um, I'd been doing a similar job for a long time. And you know, I knew it. I was, I had it absolutely dialed year on year. I knew uh, all the guys in the industry, the media guys. Um I knew where I'd be almost every, every week of the year. I knew what trade shows were coming. Um, and some of my ideas were, um, were important to me. But in terms of the whole global picture, they, they basically, a lot of the time, they would have their own, look, we're launching a new product or We've got, we're going in a different direction or on something else. So it was very, very difficult because ultimately I'm paid to do what they tell me. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, get on and do that. Yep, I'll get on and do it. Yep, it's done. You know, that was my job. And I was sort of saying, well, I can I can actually bring more value to a business, to a company, to a brand. Um, if you just let me off the, the lead a bit um, and I can fulfill what I think it, I, I'm actually capable of. Um, so it was probably, you know, in answer to your question, it was it was a time thing. <coughs> um, and really, you just can't. I mean, I, I, when I was a kid, I just thought I'm never going to work for a company more than two years because I'm just going to be bored of it. Mm-hmm. and I just need to evolve and experience more. And then, you know, I I worked for British Aerospace for a couple of years. uh, And then when I got the job with Canada, I thought, well, I'm probably going to be here for life. And then 12 years down the line, I'm like, uh, because they they gave me so much experience. I I owe them everything, really, because they gave me so much great experience. But then I could use that experience and go... Hey, if we do this a little bit differently, we can do more, we can help more, we can, you know, involve, uh, the brand in other areas. It's not just racing with, there's a, a lot of cyclists out there. How can we touch them? How can we reach them? How can we talk to them? So, you know, it's just a, yeah, you know, I've just felt there's no way that you could do that working for a brand you have to mm-hmm. evolve and try and work for yourself because there's a lot of other brands uh, and companies and businesses out there like we've tried to build something where we tap into a lot of different brand resources and um you know we represent a lot of different companies um and if you you can't you can't do that if you're tied to one brand so you have to be independent
1: right so before you left Cannondale did you line up you know what your gigs were going to be or did you just cut the cord and and try to figure it out
0: no it was it was uh i'm i'm not as spontaneous as that i'm
1: i'm a bit more <laughs> you're a mechanical engineer yeah. so you're <laughs> you're plotting this whole thing I, out, I, I yeah
0: imagine. i'm i haven't got i'm not like hey let's just go and leave everything i mean deb uh, my girlfriend was she was working with mercedes for over a decade she was you know corporate life she had you know all the trimmings which you'd want from you know working 50 60 hours a week for for a decade and, you know she she got to a level where we couldn't you know we couldn't just down tools and just say hey we're just going to give this a go and see what happens because there was too much riding on it i mean there's a lot you can you know absolutely applaud people just to just say hey i've got a dream i'm going to make it work but we'd built so much experience uh from one side that we knew i knew in my in my heart in my my mind that I could use this if I could harness it properly. Um, but the great thing is we'd, um, or I'd been personally sort of <coughs> working with a lot of companies. Um, say, for example, if we were launching a product, uh, the guys at Mavic, a French brand, um, they realize, hey, you're on, you can get into magazines a lot. You know, you do a lot of stuff outside. So do you want to use our wheels or our shoes or mm-hmm. so and so forth? So I built... Um, some really strong brand relationships over the last five or six, seven years. Um, And then I remember I went to a big trade show September 2011 um, after the Pyrenean ride. Uh, And that was the moment where I, after that ride was just like, absolutely, I, you know, I can't, I can't just do what I've been doing for the last sort of decade. Um, and I went and scouted around and said to a lot of brands, all my my sort of um, product sponsors, hey, you know, I've got this dream, I've got this vision. If if I can, if I if I leave the the mothership of Canada, so to speak, and and start my own thing, am <laughs> are you I gonna catch my fall? Are you going to be part of this or whatever? And I could gauge it a bit. So, you know, it was it was a it took another probably eight nine months. From uh, what was that September 2011 to start, finally say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna set the business up and go for it and run with it. After we have done the numbers and, and right, right, to... right.
1: I mean, I think what I'm getting at, what I'm what I'm trying to, what I'm driving towards is an outsider can go online and go to coalcollective.com or go to your yeah. website or go to YouTube, watch your videos or read these magazine articles where basically it, it would appear. <laughs> the outside observer that you spend your free time riding up the alps and and appearing in magazines yeah. Wearing really nice cycling gear and, and riding a really nice bike, and seemingly uh, well-fed somehow, yeah. right? And yeah. like, how do I have this? How come? How come this guy has this life? Yeah. How does he have this life? Like, it looks really cool. It is, yeah, and man, you've yeah. created this amazing, you know, sort of personalized situation uh, where you're able to make a living in a very creative and athletic way. Like, I, I always look at the world like. Uh, I've said this before on the podcast but to me like growing up there were there were artists and there were athletes but never the twain to these two, yeah, a good one. two meet right that, you know yeah, what I mean yeah, like yeah, yeah. like there's the guy who's in the AV club or he likes to draw and then there's the guy yeah. on the basketball team but those guys don't hang out right and and what I love about you and your story and what you do is you've you've melded these two worlds you're incredibly you're incredibly uh successful athlete you know prolific athlete you're also incredibly creative, and you're an artist in what you do and that's a really cool thing and it's a it's a rare thing and so when I look at that I'm like i can see somebody saying i want i want that life how do I do that and and why I wanted to kind of unpack your whole, you know, kind of origin story, yeah, for lack yeah, yeah. of a better word, is that, you know, this didn't happen overnight. You know, you were an engineer at British Aerospace, and then you worked for Cannondale for 12 years. And then you made sure that you had everything lined up before you made this leap. So this is, you know, this was a long road. This was your, you know, this is your road to Mont Blanc in your career, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah, this absolutely. is your 21 mountain pass of your career to get to this unique kind of situation.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Thanks for the compliments. I mean, it's good that it's recognized, I suppose, uh, because as you say to the outside world, I mean, I have a lot of people and they will say, you live the dream life. And I say, absolutely. I, you know, Facebook is the dream life. You see what mm-hmm. I do on Facebook and, you know, on Twitter. And <laughs> yeah. of course I live the dream <laughs> yeah. life. You don't see it when I'm at home right. and I'm, and Deb's peeling me off the floor because I'm like, I can't, this is just getting too much because we're juggling all the time. We're plate spinning mm-hmm. and you've got, uh, you know, work, which we do with Cannondale or we do with Mavic or another brand. And, but it's, this It's a complete lifestyle since i was uh I would say you know when I was racing as a schoolboy, that was where the passion started, and then when I started with canando and you know i never I never looked at how many hours I was working because I was just like i just want this is what if I work super super hard if I just put all of my energy which is in me uh as a person as a into what I believe in, this is what hundred percent what I believe in then of course I, there's no failure in that because this is what I believe in. So, and that was the course I took really with my whole life, uh, just to, yeah, just to do what I really was in my, my, uh, my inner being to, to try and bring to life. And that was, I mean, I, I, wouldn't even like to guess how many hours that is because it's it's weekends it's after work it's everything uh but to try and put all the pieces together i mean it's not a simple thing it looks like a simple thing like look we've got a we've now got a product for example uh with the coal collective um this is an education platform which we've launched just late last year and it was really uh looking at everything we have done from a video perspective and i felt very um Inspired when I'm in the mountains, so I say, "Hey, let's try and bring these mountains to life, and the biggest mountains in the world, and and try and help people get to the summit of them." But that project, even so, I know, I know I can do a good job, but the brands don't. The brands mm-hmm. can go, "Yeah, but ah, oh, this isn't top of our project list." And you want you want an investment in this, and I mean, to get we've, we're working with over ten brands on the project, but every brand has to have a different meeting and they ask different questions, and and it's like we we've, we've got. Uh, yeah the kickbacks and the, the 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 sort of fundraising which tries to go with just getting to a stable level where you can try and achieve something that you believe in and it's so much so much time and effort and energy and you just sometimes you just say hey you know what I'm better off let's just go back to work right. because it's so much easier just to just to do the do the norm and then I'm yeah, like yeah I
1: think there it, it, it all looks very sexy like <laughs> oh you run your own business and you make these cool the core collective for the listener who cuz we haven't talked about it yet the core collective is your educational video platform for taking people through all of these mountains like how how do you climb these mountains on a bike what how you know how do i approach this what am i going to see and and they're beautifully done and the level of detail is exquisite uh and so uh it's easy to look at that and go well that's a great life but yeah you you have to make this happen you got to figure out how it's going to get paid for, how you're going to make a living doing it. And you're living and breathing this all the time. And anybody who, you know, rides a thousand miles across the Alps and spends their time making videos of this quality caliber (laughs) level is somebody who's not afraid of hard work, right? And I think that's what people don't see. And we're in a culture right now of immediacy and entitlement and the kind of what you hear about the millennial generation. We talked a little bit about this on the bike the other day, you know, and I've spoken about this before, this sort of hack culture, like how do I get how do I get 80% of the results for 20% of the work? And yeah. that's not the path. Yeah, I mean,
0: my my sort of biggest takeaway when it comes to the whole life hack thing is uh, my life hack is just go the long haul. And uh, because what I realized with um, with the Pyrenean ride, which I did in 2011, sort of just backtracking a little bit, I mean, I'd worked so hard to get to that point, and there's there's reasons why I really just felt at that moment in my life that I had to go and do, that was my first... Big challenge where I just went completely into the unknown. It wasn't a race, it wasn't an event. You know, there was no one at the side of the road like cheering you on. There was no one at the end, there was nothing. There was me, my girlfriend, and two friends just supporting in a, in a vehicle. And I said, Hey, I just want to go and ride from the Atlantic to the Mediterranean, straight across the Pyrenees. <laughs> and I, yeah, because, because I just, I just had to do it at that moment in my life. There was something so strong inside me that made me want to do that. Um, and you know, that was sort of the, the first part of like how we got onto the trajectory of the whole big challenges. And Mm -hmm. the thing is, it's like I got to the end of that ride and so many things made sense and I, but I'd probably put in 10 years of work to get to that. And then suddenly within 30 hours I was on the bike and I got to the end of that and I said to myself, that 10 years makes sense now. I can see the future if I hadn't put the 10 years worth of hard work in. I wouldn't have seen the future. I wouldn't have seen like mm. I can do this. I've got the the confidence. I'm I'm very much like I need to. Maybe it's the engineering part of my brain, but I need to put the black and white down on paper. I cannot. I mean, I it, when I was racing as a schoolboy and that I knew I had to do. Even from a from a young age, I had to do the training. I couldn't wing it. I couldn't mm. blag it. And when you uh, get up to a thousand k across the the Alps, I mean, there's no way you can blag that. I had to do the hard training. The hard training. <coughs> Um, and that, but yeah, that's... you can't, you can't
1: cram for that and you can't fake it.
0: Exactly. But at the same time, I don't, I don't actually, my personality is I don't want to fake it because that is what makes it genuine for me. It gives me the confidence. I know that if I put the hours in on the bike or in the, into the business, then I should be able to do this. And you know, as soon as you take that element of let's try and do the, 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 the hack and get you there on a quicker, I think the, the, the whole life hack thing is, is, Everyone lives in a super busy world now, you know, it's getting more and more chaotic. Um, So quite rightly, people are trying to pack more into their busy lives. But just taking one step back from that and sort of saying, what is it in you that makes you happy? Okay, and for me, I found that was the bike. And and from that point is like, well, why do I want to hack that? I want to spend right. more time. I want to do it the the right way. And of course, you can hack to a certain point, but are you going to be revving the engine too much? And then are you going to have a blowout? And, you know, or do you want to take it nice and steady and build and build and build and build? And, build? and I mean, I'm absolutely astounded at to get from, you know, the passion of riding a bike to then making a career from it for one, not as a racing cyclist. Uh, and then to these crazy challenges, which everyone says, you're insane, you're never going to make it, to actually achieving it and going like, wow, I'm at actually did that it's still it's really surreal but it's just been a slow steady process of build up and put the work in and put the hours in and
1: right yeah i like what you had to say about about life hacking i mean and i think that my message on this subject gets confused or misinterpreted at times in that uh i'm not against trying to find efficiencies in your life and i agree we're we're inundated with so much stimuli and our lives are becoming crammed with more and more obligations and duties and and we just get spread so thin right so how do we manage that. And I think that to the extent that life hacks are about shortcutting or finding efficiencies in in sort of the I don't want to say non-essentials but like not the core aspects of who you are and what you're trying to pursue in your life so that you have additional time to more fully invest yourself in the one thing that it that you are most passionate about so in your you know to use your example in your cycling or in in your filmmaking right like to avail yourself more more uh more time more uh you know brain uh brain you know output to go into that one thing that you're most passionate in, so you can be more invested more devoted to that one thing
0: yeah i think that's absolutely right i mean there is there is an element of okay look if we hack this side of life then we have more time elsewhere which is fair enough um but um you know my my overall, my, my personality ever, ever since I was a, a kid, as I say, I remember when I was at school and actually college and, you know, would sit in a lecture class and not have a clue what the lecturer, the, the, the teacher was saying. And you just think, "Wow, well, how on earth am I going to get through this exam? And like, it just doesn't make sense. And, and then I just go, go back home and this is just the way I am. And I'd just sit and I'd read the book until I understood. And, and it would take hours and hours and hours. And I could say, Hey, I could, I could hack it and I could do, I could do a quarter of the the work and I could still pass, but I just, I I wanted to pass. Well, I wanted to get a good grade. I wanted to, so I, but the great thing was, yeah, but it was more, it was like I could, if as long as I understood the theory behind it and all the hardest moment was trying to understand the theory and then the theory of whatever it was I was working on and what's the theory of wh- why we're all here hey the theory of why we're here is like let's try and do as best we can with what we feel is 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 our, our calling so to speak um and that's I'm never going to be able to hack that because I'm going to just be cheating myself and mm-hmm. so at the end of the day um
1: that's how I feel about it (laughs) right interesting uh the other thing that I like about your story and and your leap kind of away from Cannondale and into doing your own thing is that there's an aspect of of giving back of service in that like how can I how can I help people how can I inspire other people to you know embrace this thing that I love so much like how can I share this better
0: yeah I mean that's absolutely for for me that's the number one objective um Because I think I've the the the, the outside world, um, what I enjoy, what I experience on the bike, the moments I've I've had with friends, on my own, with family, everything, you know, it just it makes it puts everything in perspective for me i can go out and be completely muddled and uh feel that things aren't going in the right direction i've got no creativity uh, i just feel a, a completely you know everything's on top of me and and the world is turning black and as soon as i go out and then see some of the good some of the good times and and just ride and and get that energy out and and start feeling good again and and that was every single time i go into the mountains you go like it's just a complete untapped world that you know, if I I think if I feel like that, I'm thinking, "Crikey!" If I can make other people have the little element of that and believe that they can do something, like I'm not saying go and ride 21 mountains. That's absolutely ridiculous. Anyone who wants to go and do that because it's just you've got to build up to it, or whatever. But it's uh, but if you if you want to just go and ride one, or if you want to even just start riding a bike in general, just to feel the fresh air and, and what it can do for your health and and well being, then that's what we want to try and do. Do and actually, what was interesting is with the whole project which we're doing now is just trying to involve all of the brands and everything so it's more we've got great a great uh collection of, of companies who represent all different areas whether it's uh nutrition or or training camps or holidays or, or or product or and i wanted to try and bring all this together so you know we can manage it but you can go to one resource and try and go. Hey, these are the guys that are going to help if you're into that side of the sport. Mm-hmm. If you're into cycling, I can ask a question on nutrition, or I can say, Hey, what did you actually eat when you rode across the mountains? Like, you know, this is fascinating. Tell me. And you know, we've got all the pe- all the all the the pieces of the puzzle in just about in order to to really offer a what we hope is a, a, a valuable resource. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it sort of saves people. Maybe maybe we're helping people hack their life so they don't have to go all over the internet looking for the answer, and they can come to one resource.
1: <laughs> I so. It. <laughs> yeah. You know, I like that. life hacks are good. <laughs> so uh, what is it about cycling that's so alluring to you? I mean, what, what is it that you, that you get out of it? I mean, explain this relationship to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, okay, let's just go back to when I think about my first moments on the bike. And uh, straight away it was it, with running, you can get so far and you know swimming is another thing you don't see much when you're swimming so and then I mean I swam I played loads of soccer football when I was at school and and that was I mean yeah that was a great um, childhood upbringing and you know I loved kicking the ball around at at school but but it was that was the team aspect and it was my older brother who said he got a bike and he said hey you want to do a bit of cyclocross racing and I said well what's this about and And it was the first moment that I felt that everything I put in was was giving me the result. So if I didn't put the work in, hey, I couldn't blame someone. I couldn't Mm -hmm. point the finger at anyone. And it was just the pure escapism and freedom. You could go so far on the bike. You know, I, I could go into three different counties from where I lived in one day and ride hundred miles when i was i mean i remember there was i was always the youngest uh, of our groups so I was, grew up
1: like an hour outside of london
0: yeah, yeah. about an hour just mm-hmm. on the edge of, on the south coast um but just on the edge of the new forest and we've mm-hmm. got a few rolling hills but it's flat as anything really compared to what i where i really like to go well um,
1: everywhere's flat yeah.
0: compared to where yeah, compared you to like the, to ride your bike yeah,
1: exactly <laughs> I mean, the santa monica mountains are flat compared no, to what you're pretty you rolling like those
0: little bad boys <laughs> but uh it just came to it was just the the essence of freedom which I had um and just exploring I mean I had some of my fondest memories when I was abroad just literally just writing down village names on the top tube of my bike and and back then life was simple it's like we didn't have tools and power meters and all these fancy gizmos and it's actually funny really it reminds me I had all that equipment I mean I've got to use a Garmin now because just tracks how far you've gone in time and Mm -hmm. But uh, I mean, I took the power meter off. And yeah, I, was I noticed just that like, when we rode yeah. the other
1: day that you didn't have a power meter on.
0: I've, you want to buy a power meter? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I might actually. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but it's. I mean, I've, I've. It's. I think from a pure performance aspect, you. You know these tools are amazing. They really are about, you know, you can monitor your performance and you can uh, make great gains and you can see where your gains are made. But for me, like I was just looking at a black box on my handlebar.
1: Right. It's sort of like staring at your phone all the time, right? It's taking you out of the moment.
0: Yep. And I'm, and I was like, I can't do that. I just can't do it. I want to, and this is what you'll see in some of the the new videos that we've got. Like I want to say to people, you'll see, Hey, I'm sat looking at a waterfall. I'm, I'm trying to meet the nature on the mountain. We're just enjoying it for what it is. Right.
1: You're not trying to hit the Strava KOM nope. for that. We're not racing <laughs> you're, up. You're stopping it. In in you a, can
0: do that, of course. It's like, <laughs> it's yeah. awesome. But it's like, we're just saying, I would probably say, you know, 98% of people are going to go out there and they just want to make it to the top and they want to see it and they want to go, wow. And hopefully our little lessons will help them and they'll go, yeah, okay, I don't feel out of my depth because I know that this is the hard section. I know that this is a bridge coming up or whatever. Because mm-hmm, Mike uh, told me all about it. In the video. And then he's been lying. There's nothing like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> We're brought to you today by Birch. If you're serious about optimizing your sleep, listen up. far beyond the shenanigans of the supplement world is Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. It's the most solid science-based and rigorously evidence-backed probiotic and prebiotic on the market. Formulated for optimal digestion, gut immune function, gut barrier integrity, skin health. In fact, my 16 year old daughter has been using it to clear up a significant acne issue and it's been wonderful as well as many other systemic benefits. Like I said, I've been taking it daily personally for years. I love it, my body loves it. And right now for our listener community, Seed is offering 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Visit seed.com slash richroll and use the code richroll25 to redeem this offer that's seed.com slash richroll or code richroll25. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. I think this is an interesting kind of place to camp out a little bit. Um, This intersection between kind of online and analog living, right? Because you make your living kind of online, social media and videos and YouTube and all of this. uh, And yet kind of what you speak to is about being unplugged. Right. So so you have to kind of navigate both of these worlds. Yeah. And this is something that I'm always trying to balance and I struggle with. And, you know, if you listen to the podcast, people that are listening out there know that I did this like ID talks where I took like the social media off my phone. And I'm trying to kind of, you know, find the boundaries and the balance and all of these things because I live online also. And I, you know, my living is sort of dependent on that. And yet I don't want to be. I wanna have a responsible relationship with those two things. And I wanna be able to put it down and go out in nature and just be, just be, just be, right? So how do you approach that equation? Well, I think-
0: we're st- I'm still learning hundred percent mm. so maybe we can uh, we can help each other but uh, as, a, as the business as what we've done we've you know online is so prolific um, we put something out there and, and the content that we put out there attracts a lot of comments and a lot of people wanting extra advice so as you've said for our business it's absolutely fundamental um, and it is a really hard balancing act now you have to be very disciplined I'm learning more and more about the sort of and, and experiences and trying to discipline myself to sort of switch off from it because it's so consuming now that you actually miss okay, if we put a big ride out there, we miss the whole point of the big ride because we're looking at seven yeah, inches exactly. of glass.
1: And you get that endorphin where, oh, how many people are looking and, and yeah. how many comments and oh I gotta you know, like you have this you develop this compulsive you know kind of uh behavior pattern around it that's not really very healthy
0: yeah and unfortunately uh my personality i mean rich you may know this uh, <laughs> about you know you can get hooked into things and i'm um, surprised I'm pretty, you're not
1: i'm surprised you're not an alcoholic and a drug addict <laughs> to
0: be honest there's a story there so. <laughs>
1: oh, there is a, all right well, <laughs> now the podcast there. has officially <laughs> begun
0: but uh i mean social <laughs> social <laughs> question before we uh, delve any further on that uh as i say it's i think the thing is, more and more, certainly what I see um, and the people which I uh, talk to and, and have comments from, people are really enjoying the fact that they can escape from what we do. By watching it, they escape again. And I'm going, this is, this is such an awesome feeling because we want people to escape again. We want to try and help them get out there and just mm-hmm. be like, just remember when when you didn't have the phone, when you didn't have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram wasn't it simple well, know, didn't yeah. you feel yeah, i don't know, I mean, know what you're
1: talking about i
0: mean <laughs> cast your mind back Ruth. come on <laughs> let's go back a few years it's like but it was life was just simple like that and these tools are they're really beneficial they're i mean part of our core business but there has to be a disconnect otherwise it just comes it, it becomes gray again mm-hmm. and your mind i mean the thing is the the social side of stuff has grown so quickly but We're never going to develop, the brain is never going to develop, humans are never going to develop to be able to manage all of this technology. Um, And, you know, I think we looked online the other night and there's courses that people can go on now to sort of educate them on how to disconnect, you Mm -hmm. know? And I'm thinking, well, there's another business for someone now because we create this stuff and now we create another, you know, economy and uh, industry over here to say, hey, you know what? We're going to teach you how to get off the phone. I'm sort of saying, well, turn it off and go out for a run or, you know, Mm -hmm. go and breathe some fresh air and take your kids out or whatever. But it's like, there's a heck of a disconnect now, which is, is harder and harder because there's more and more tools available and everyone has has them at the, uh, the you know the push of a button. Of so. course,
1: I mean it's only going to accelerate, oh, which means yeah. the onus is more and more on us to create those boundaries and those rules around it. Otherwise, it just it infects every aspect yeah. of your of your day, and and before you know it, you're not showing up for anything. You're just your face is just planted in your phone your entire day. Yeah, and that's Not the hardest <laughs>
0: yeah. that's the hardest thing and but it's it's so easy to get caught up in that because it's the, it's there all the time and you know i remember actually uh maybe 5 years ago uh, so that would put us what like 2009 2010 yeah it was probably around that time i was never even on facebook and they were on the radio saying oh you know people are addicted to facebook and this and that and i was thinking what what are they talking about this is ridiculous how can you be addicted to something like that yeah. Roll forward five years and there it's like, it's part of your business. It's part right. of everything. And, you know, that's it. And, you know, I'm an outdoory person, but at the same time, it's, it's there, it's part of the business, but, uh, it's just about respecting. I think, I think if you can look at the time which you have available and sort of say, okay, look, here's social time and here's, here's everything else, here's living time. Um, and I think it's going to go more and more. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, if I could predict the future, then, you know, that would be, that'd be great. I don't know what I'd be doing, but, uh, it would, you look at it and you sort of say, okay, where are we going with this? And I see more and more, I think people are going to just be putting the phones down and switching off and getting back to the roots of living, which, mm-hmm. you know, is what, if we can help them do that, then that's, that's going to be, you know, really, uh, yeah, super cool to see and see that sort of, almost like a little bit of a transition in how, everyone, every, how everyone's living their lives now. Right, right. Um,
1: as long as they're watching your videos and listening to this well, podcast. They,
0: yeah, right? exactly. They can do a little bit. We give them a little bit <laughs> yeah. of time
1: when they can do that. That's
0: within right. their hour or so a week. So, All
1: right. I want to get to uh, what was going on with you mentally, emotionally, and spiritually to motivate you to do this 1,000-kilometer ride, you know, the road to Mont Blanc yeah. across all these mountain passes.
0: Uh, well, we get, what we'll do is we'll shift back a little bit to, to get the process. Um, and you know, the nuts and bolts of why I wanted to try and the sort of moments which led me to, uh, to get to that. Um, you know, it's always been in me for exploration, um, and, you know, just pushing the, the sort of fascination between the, the mind and the body, um, and how they can work together to just overcome what, what is perceived possible and mm-hmm. what maybe is perceived impossible. Um, and my moment really came, I had a, uh, an experience, which you said about alcoholism and drugs and, you know, I had a moment in 2009 and, uh, you know, it was a family tragedy and, uh, you know, it's hard, hard you know, I, I don't, I've sort of black it out now, but my younger brother passed away. Mm-hmm. and it would well, life was great up until that point, And suddenly there's a big black hole. It's like, what, what are you talking about? How He's 26 he?
1: years old. How, and what
0: happened? Uh, he, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's complicated, but, uh, essentially he was on medication and, uh, it was the process of that medication, which didn't agree with him, uh, for anxiety and a bit of stress. He was running his own company from 18 and, mm. uh, through some medication which he took which didn't really didn't he was very very sensitive to to medication and so and so forth like
1: anti-anxiety or, yeah. or anti-depression medication? Um,
0: like an anti-anxiety right. and uh ultimately that led to his 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 demise and uh you know yeah i was a one day he was with uh with us and you know we're having a great time and there was a thursday and then friday mum phones up and say hey, your brother's passed away it's like what what are you talking about and i'm like you know, that for me put everything, my life just was for a year just was just, I mean, it's hard even to remember it because I just, I had to just try and s- just deal with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, but, it was, but
1: he, so he, he, but he took his own life. Yeah. That were, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, hard to hear that.
0: but, but it was, you know, the thing is, if you knew, if you knew how he was like, God, he was the the smartest guy. We had a real similar personality, super clean living, and it was it was just a uh, it was just a, a moment. Um, you know, you put things in your body that don't agree with you, and it takes you out of the moment. And you know, you wake up or you don't, and it's like, well, wow. mm. so you know, and that was a really. I mean, I'm still like six years down the line. It's like, God, I'm nowhere near over it, but it's like this is part of the journey which I went through and, uh, and I had, I was really, you know, how do I get over this? You go through the, the, the questioning, you know, the unknown, the, the wise, the, the anger, the frustration, you know, all these things you go through. And, but at the end of the day it's like you, you, you live for, you know, what people would believe is the right thing to do. And he, and I always drew a lot of strength from like, he knew how much I loved him and, and, also the uh you know what i stood for as an individual and you 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 try and get over it but there was that uh, many months of blackness where you know i just thought i'm either going to go i can go in one direction which is going to be where i am now which i think's a good direction <laughs> mm. or there's a direction where i don't know what's going to happen because i've got that typical personality of like let's it's all or nothing and
1: uh yeah, yeah i mean I don't know what that's like, but uh, yeah, there's a a fork in the road, right? You're going to have to make that choice. Was he your only sibling? Uh, No, older brother, and he was the younger one.
0: Uh So he was the youngest in the family, which is even harder because you're like, he's 26 years old. You say, hey, you know, you, you just don't, I've got no way of explaining like the emotion that you feel just like everything is just dead inside you forever. And you just say, well, what on earth am I going to do now? How do you pick yourself up? And the problem I had was the only place which I felt free, which was on the bike, I suddenly didn't feel free. So I would go out and the brain, my brain would just not switch off and I hated it. I couldn't, I couldn't stand going out. I was just like, I don't want to go out on my bike anymore. It's like, and that was me. And I was like, well, how on earth, this is the only thing which keeps me sane. It's driving me mental what am I going to do? Mm. So it was, th- this was the right, process the one
1: thing that, that gives you a sense of self and hope and and a, and a good feeling yeah. now is not available to you.
0: Yeah. And it was like, I How mean, do you
1: get to the other side of that. Well,
0: it was a, a year went by and I was like, I was just, just completely in a like head in the clouds. You know, you were there in, in body, but in mind you were just you're just not there at all. Um, And everyone was so supportive, um, family, friends, work, you know, that was just, I've got great friends and great support, which is absolutely fundamental in life on everything, not just in a tragic, tragic situation. Um, And this was, this is why, you know, I feel really proud of what we've achieved now even more so just just from having a a standard trajectory and working hard and and living clean and doing what we do but I got to the point this was so 2009 and and life was just not right I just couldn't get over the fact that I couldn't I didn't have an answer to it and I couldn't work it out whereas normally I can work stuff out like it's black and white that's Mm -hmm. on the table if I do this I can get that result or I go in that direction and I couldn't I just couldn't get over it. I couldn't work it out. And, uh, and this was, this was where the Pyrenean ride came from. And I said, just, it was, uh, September 9th, 2011, my brother's birthday. And I said, like, we're just going to go ride the mountains. I'm I'm back. I'm coming back. I'm just going to ride the mountains Mm and and I'm going to go from, from Atlantic to the Mediterranean. We're just going to see, I just, I absolutely, if I, if I don't do this, I'm going to, combust. Mm. Uh, I'm just going to go and let's just see what happens. I just want to go and get feel at one with myself again. And, uh, I in the, the deepest, you know, Pyrenean mountains just on on my own with, uh, with a little head torch and, uh, you know, Deb's following in the car and a couple of friends just to, to support. And that was the absolute pivotal moment. It was like, what is going to happen? And, and it, I've never felt so connected to, you know, the, to nature, to the world, to my brother at that moment. Uh, and that was a hundred percent when I finished, we, we got to the med and it was like, you know, I can't, now I can't go back to work. I can't go and do, this is what I have to do. And it was, so I thank, you know, I thank him for giving me the, the extra, you know, the, the extra sort of soul, so to speak of just like, this is now what i need to do like this is where i feel the best so why am i wasting time why am i you know uh why am i not progressing what i believe i can do with my with my experience and my soul and my heart and everything and mm-hmm. that was the you know the fundamental pivotal moment of of actually let's i said to deb in the kitchen like months later or something we came back and i just said do you want to be a photographer do you want to mm-hmm. do you want to try and do this do you want to try and pull it all together we've got great experience and and she had she had the faith fool
1: <laughs> well what i what i that's an amazing story by the way thank, thank you. you for for trusting me with 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 hearing that um and what i love about it well i love a lot of things about it but what really strikes me about it is how little uh relationship it has to logic there's yeah. there's no logic involved in this right like you you're having this emotional experience and you can't see your way through it and it occurs to you that you just need to get on your bike and ride it really a very yeah. extremely long distance that makes no sense and, and and in the in the process of doing so and getting to the other side of that you are blessed with answers that set your life in a new direction and trajectory and it had nothing to do with sitting down and making a spreadsheet i mean you're an engineer right this is probably how you're used to solving your problems like how are we going to do this well here are the options you know what's the what are the the pluses and the minuses of all of these things that that had nothing to do with any of this this was a purely emotional spiritual pursuit that ended up resolving these issues for you and for what your life would then turn into
0: yeah exactly right i mean i'd that all the time leading up to, to the Pyrenean challenge, you know, I'd learned a lot. The experience was there. It all made sense to a point, but then that, that coming into the Mediterranean and just being like, I don't even know, I really don't know what, you know, it was just this feeling that it's so hard to explain. It's when you're in the moment, you're a hundred percent present in what you're doing. Every heartbeat, every pedal stroke, every breath, every smell, every, everything. And I was just so in the moment that I just thought, you know, now it makes sense. This is what I need to bring these emotions to other people. And if I can do mm-hmm. that and I can help, uh, from that, that side. And, and, it, but it taught me the, the 10 years I'd been working taught me so much. The 30 hours I was on the bike bike taught me, 10 years worth of experience and more just Mm -hmm. because I just got out. And, you know, it it actually taught me to survive. It taught me how to overcome these emotions. It taught me how to control my emotions. It taught me everything. And it sort of maybe putting it out there on the line, um, and going deep into the unknown. I didn't even know, well, when am I going to crack? When am I going to fail? When, when's the body going to give up? Whatever. I had no idea. And that was, it was like, let's just go back to basics. Let's just, if you, if you detach everything and just, go and ride, go and run, go and do like, let's go completely back to basics. And let's just see how see what we can achieve. And that was the most purest feeling I've ever had in my life. And uh, subsequently from that, you know, we took it away and said, Hey, you know, can we do this? Can I, can I do this as a career? I mean, Mm -hmm. it seems crazy, but Hey, let's give it a go. And that's, that led to where we are now with the brands that we work with, creating content and, and trying to help and inspire and uh, that's all i want to do <laughs>
1: with respect to these challenges i mean there's something about you know you're, you're speaking to the purity of them but when you put yourself in that situation whether you're riding from the atlantic to the mediterranean yeah. you know where you're going to meet your maker where you're pushing yourself so hard you know to the very edges of that that envelope where everything else gets burned away so whether you're an ultra runner who's running bad water or, you know, you're doing what you do or you're doing mm. epic five, like you, you truly connect with who you really are and, and there's no room for anything else. And there's a relationship kind of connect that occurs in that space that, that is something very sacred and special that I don't know that I've ever been able to fully articulate or describe other than to say that it is profound. It's, it's the
0: moment where it, everything makes sense. And I mean, I have, it's like you take everything back to basics. I always sort of come back to that and you strip it back so raw that you can, it's like, you can tap into your mind so much that it's like, you understand what you're thinking instead of just thinking it is like, I understand the logic behind it. You understand, you can feel like everything which I do is like, yeah, I don't want to take painkillers. I don't want to take anything. I want to feel every, every hard moment because i'm going to remember that and it's going to be it's going to come back and it's going to help me in the future and you know it just you just strip yourself back to that purity you put yourself out on the line i mean i i have no idea i'm not the thing is with uh with epic five with ultraman with these challenges with what I do, um, they're so unknown. I mean, you have a professional racer and it's, it's very much like you've put the training in, you know, you can go that fast. You can put out that wattage you're going to get on the podium It's it, it, with a mm-hmm. bit of luck. Whereas you take yourself out of that equation and you go into the unknown and it's literally body, mind, soul, spirit, and the great outdoors. And that's just like, for me, that's the, that's the way it should be. That's the purest. That's, that's just because you find out who you are you find out what life is and in a very short space of time you you overcome things you know the the mental aspect of it which is a hugely important part um you can really connect with who you are as an individual and where you're where you're going to struggle and where you're and how to get over it you you solve these problems out on the road or the trail and you know that's a for me that's just a beautiful way to experience sport and life in general
1: mm-hmm. so what is the biggest takeaway when you look back on the challenges that you've endured like where if you had to if you had to explain to somebody at a cocktail party in a very concise manner like what are you getting out of this uh i would
0: probably big question um i think i would say what i'm getting out of it is i learn about my true inner being um pretty much uh sums it up for me it's uh you know, it's just about who I actually am. And this is not like, as I say, we don't get to the end um, of a challenge. I don't I finish a challenge and there's not a big fanfare. There's not a big paycheck. There's not a medal or trophy. There's no one. There's people doing, there's people doing their is shopping. and a paycheck at all
1: for you? <laughs> not a big paycheck, but a paycheck? <laughs> I never got a paycheck. Yeah. But no, but it's... what, you know, yeah. I mean, look, I think it's important for people to understand that like, I know that you're a guy who's not doing this for ego. You're doing this to like show other people that they're probably overly overly limiting their own lives, and and you do that through sharing. Like when you're, you're tackling, you're, I mean, look, you're a genetic freak. You you can <laughs> climb these mountains like it's incredible, and. Uh, and to be able to watch you do that and then say, hey, I'm going to show you how you can do this too. Like, I'm enjoying this. You can enjoy it too. Yeah. Come with me. I'm doing this for you. This is not about me. Like, I'm a I'm a vessel through which I can share this thing that I love, this experience. And I want you to, like, brush up against this too and feel what I'm feeling.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's right. I mean, it's a case of, I mean, I would feel uh, from my own personal point of view, it's like, I've invested so much time, invested so many years, I've had so many great experiences. If I can't give that back, what's the point? What's the point? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like if if you can give one person that, that gift of the same like, wow, I made it to the top of the mountain or you know what, I've just got myself a bike or just got out the front door. It's like that's mission accomplished. Mm-hmm. So it's really about, you know, it teaches the takeaway really is it, it, I think there's so much more if you just believe in what you could do if you but you've actually got to get up off the couch and just tr- try it for yourself and i mean you know you say i'm a genetic freak or whatever well you know that's a great compliment i'll, I'll take that any day of the week but you know you've been at, doing
1: it for a long time you've put your 10, hours oh, in hours yeah for yeah. sure but then so. at the
0: same time hey i wasn't a racing cyclist i haven't done the tour de france i haven't done so from that respect put me in a lab and I'm probably pretty normal, but I've got, you know, a mind which is saying, Hey, can I do this? And the heart to say, yeah, let's give it a try. And uh, I think those elements, everyone's got those two elements. You've just got to get them in sync and then, uh, believe in it and try and try and get out and achieve and and, and try something for yourself. And Mm -hmm. as I say, it's, it, it, can start with the smallest step and often the smallest step is the hardest step. But, uh, once you've made that step, as you've seen in your life as well, it's like, you make the change, make the positive change and see where you'll be. And, and it's amazing the the things which the body and the mind, right from when I was a kid, analyzing and thinking, I wonder, I wonder if the body and the mind work together, what can happen? And we, you know what? I finished the finished the road to Mont Blanc in August and just like, I, I survived. It's mm-hmm. like, that shouldn't have happened. I mean, I was petrified. Up until all the challenges I've done up until this one, I had a handle of, I can ride through one night. I can do one night because I've done it before. But two nights? Are you sure?
1: you're riding through one night on your training rides and you're doing 300 mile training rides. That <laughs> yeah, was a, that was a crazy, crazy day. Yeah. All right. But what, you know, what was the, like the darkest moment? Was there a, was there a make or break moment in any of these challenges where you're like, I don't know, I'm, I'm ready to pull the plug yeah. and, and quit. And like, how did you see yourself through that? Well, the, definitely
0: hundred percent. The hardest uh, moment was in road to Mont Blanc. Um, the buildup had gone well, uh, but I was really, as I say, I was I think I put so much extra stress on my body because I was just so nervous about the challenge and it was the real unknown. It was like, okay, if I do another one night through the night once in the mountains, okay, I've done that, I've done that before. But for two nights was just so much extra stress. Plus the fact that now it's gone from this is what's in me from a, an emotional, uh, spiritual point of view to I've got brands, you know, investing time and resource and, and, and everything to, hey, we've got a project. We're going to make a video. We're going to put yourself out to the world, and, which is all great, but it's a lot of extra stress. You and,
1: keel over on night two. Or so night good. one. Night <laughs> one, <laughs> yeah. But- uh, and I out. mean, going into that second night, I mean, how- I mean you had to be like hallucinating.
0: Yeah, I mean the the hardest thing for me was um in the build up I looked at the forecast and it looked pretty horrendous. And I was saying to uh the the, the key brand which was supporting us Mavic, uh they had the support car on the road and they really they're so in tune with the whole spiritual side of cycling and the emotion and the exploration and, and it's incredible to have that support but and I was saying to the guys you know, have you've seen the forecast, the forecast looks terrible. Like we can do this any, practically any day in the summer. Let's pick a great day. Let's mm. give me a little bit of a chance to actually make this, you know, I've put a thousand <laughs> hours of training in, uh-huh. like let's not see me crumble at, you know, 300 miles in or something. And, uh, and they they say oh, you know we've, we've tried to like move around all the pieces and get the support organized, but all the pieces are in place. We're just going to have to go for it. And then we look to the forecast. And they say, hey, it's no problem. It's only going to rain for half of it. And I was like, it's half of it. it's a day. It can't you know? That's, that's a, because you're doing these big challenges. Right. Like, let's put it in perspective. That's 24 hours. I'm never going to survive that. And I, that's my nemesis: the the cold and the wet. Uh, I just my body oh, just shuts down. Yeah. It's like game over. I mean, I've I've cold, done wet feet. <sighs> training rides in the uk and like after an hour or two and it's you can't feel anything dexterity has gone you know you lose so much uh, energy your carbohydrate stores are stripped like that and you just you end up shivering and i just thought i'm going to be a, a wreck and when i saw the forecast i was just like oh, we can't this is just going to be a, a, a a mission to nowhere um, all this hard work all this time and we got uh, down to Italy just before the start um, we were starting on a Monday and Friday uh, both Deb and I are woken up by the biggest most vicious thunderstorm it was like the devil had risen from hell and was just <laughs> ripping down this little cottage that we uh, were staying in. And it was, we were looking at the windows just going, I mean, I was screaming, going like, if I'm out in that now, if I'm in the mountains now, there's no way I'm going to survive. So it's, it's just, this is just not, this is just a stupid challenge now. And it was all that stress and everything. And so even before we started, it was like, how on earth are we going to actually get mm. through this? There was never a moment where I felt really, really confident and comfortable as I had done in the past. Um, but then... We made the decision. It was like decision made. We are doing the challenge and there's no other... As soon as there... I think as soon as there is options to change something, then there's a way out, then you stress. And then I went and we all sat down... Decision fatigue. Decision fatigue, exactly that. And we all sat down and said are we going to do it or are we going to call it off? And I was like, we are going to do it. There's no way. As soon as someone said, we're either going to call it off or do it. It's not like we're going to postpone it. We're going to call it off. We're going to do it. I said, Hey, Mm. I spent a thousand hours training this year in amongst running a business and absolutely killing myself to get to where I am. Like, and all the support and the, you know, that puts a lot of stress on relationships and, uh, and the business and everything. And I said, well, we're just going to have to, we're going to have to go for it. And the hardest the hardest point was when the first spots of rain came and I knew that I was in for an absolute hiding uh, for the first night because I thought I i don't think I'm going to survive the rain. And but it's just incredible, again, what the mind can achieve. And I, I look back now and I think we spent seven, maybe seven and a half hours in really hard dolomite rain which is which is big you know on the on the descents Mm -hmm. on the climbs it was you just there's no way thunder lightning you just would not want to be there you wouldn't want to be outside in those conditions and and i look back and i don't remember it being i I was just in a zone i was just Mm -hmm. completely in a in a trance of just like hey i'm still moving forward therefore i can keep going and just Uh keep going and keep going and we got to the bottom of the Stelvio four o'clock in the morning Um, we'd gone through the valley and the Stelvio is the highest road pass in Italy it was uh, about after 330 30 kilometers, roughly. And I sat on the back of the Mavic car. There was a, a driver a sleeper, on the front of the car. Deb was sat on the back of the car. And it was a really special moment because we just looked at each other like, what the heck are we doing? Right. <laughs> what on earth? Like, so
1: when you approached the Stelvio, how many hours had you been riding? Oh, what had
0: I done? So that was four in the morning. I started at one uh, one o'clock in the afternoon. So what does that work out to be? About 15 right. hours, 16 uh-huh. hours, something like that. So, Yeah, I had, and for
1: the listener, I mean, the Stelvio is ridiculous time it's also the one the most dramatic to photograph yeah. looking down because yeah. you can see there's every 48 divot. hairpins
0: 48 <laughs> hairpins but it takes you like uh <coughs> it must take you about 20 25 minutes to get to the first hairpin and you're mm. going up a little drag and and it was oh uh, we were so i was freezing cold and i just said well there's no point changing kit yet i change at the top and and i just thought we're only we're a third of the way in and this is i mean how on earth am i gonna Manage this from a mental physical perspective, and I crawled up the Stelvio like, and I was almost. Deb was in the support car saying to the uh, one of the Mavic uh, guy, Fred, who was supporting with us, why is he so? Uh, Fred was saying, why why is why is Mike so close to the wall? Why is he so close to the wall? And Deb's like, he's falling asleep. He's mm. like, he's just he's just conscious, and I was totally just just on the edge and and that is what brings you to the moment that's what every single pedal stroke every single breath is like you ha- you're you're only living for that that second and then you're back in it back in it back on the zone back in the zone and and i made it i mean it's the hardest the hardest thing obviously is the nights to get through the first night even the thing is it's frustrating because you can't bank sleep like you can't just go i'm going to sleep really good for three or four days and then i'm going to go through two nights right
1: doesn't work that way because
0: you're as soon as i tried to sleep well but i you know you're the adrenaline's coming you're anxious and suddenly you get there and you know your body is saying hey it's nine o'clock i'm going to start shutting down i'm going to get ready for my sleep time it's all these processes that hey it's millions of years we've evolved through mm-hmm. Pff, i can't go against that so 100 percent you just have to fight through it and uh and when we we got to the top of the stelvio and i changed a bit of clothes it was bitterly cold it was like zero degrees or, or centigrade and uh freezing just about freezing and uh descended down and i was overshooting the bends it was real lucky because it was early in the morning so there was no traffic and i would wake up like oh my god i've just overshot another bend whoa so you're
1: literally falling asleep at the wheel as you're descending yeah and- but <laughs> yeah, i mean i'm not
0: condoning any of this yeah this ludicrous behavior <clears throat> because you know and i and I stopped on the descent of the stealth and i said hey i need to take a little bit of i just got to like I've got to wake myself up. I've just got to to get to the valley. And I stopped in the valley, uh, Bormio, before we had the Gavia Pass. And it was warm down there. So it was coming. And it was like, oh, oh, I feel safe. I feel safe. I just had to get that extra couple of degrees warmth. And I joke that, you know, I'm solar powered. But it's true. As soon as the sun comes up. back. I was like, it took me another two or three hours before it really got warm, and then I was like, ah, oh, okay, I can feel, I feel, you know, back in control a little bit. I'm, I'm over that moment. But then the second night was just like, there was the hardest. I mean, I've had a, yeah, you know, I sort of hate to say it, but I've had a couple of hallucinations beforehand in training, and they're not fun. And then going up for the second night, the road to Mont Blanc, the first one, you know, I was climbing. And I kept—I uh, didn't—I don't know if the support car could see, but I kept seeing. It was almost like I was trying to duck under something. I kept ducking, ducking, ducking. Like, whoa! I'm going to hit my head. Uh-huh. And I realized that when I really could focus, I got a shot of adrenaline. Like, oh, what am I doing? What am I doing? And I noticed that it was because the sky was so black, and I couldn't—the focus—I couldn't have the disconnect between actually that sky and the distance and where I'm riding. Right. And I was like, oh man, this is just too much now. And then. Uh, an hour or so later, I remember I was I was coming around a hairpin bend, groveling up. I can't even remember what climb it was. And I thought, that's an awfully funny place to put like a, like a lifeboat. I some people have done some real, you know, they've done a good job there. But some people are crazy. They go and put a boat in their front garden or something. And it was halfway up a mountain. And as I went past it, this whole thing just disappeared. And I was like, this is not this is right. not a good place to be in. Uh, but
1: you never tipped over. You never fully fell asleep or you uh, never really said, I'm, I'm done, I got to quit. Like, no, I mean- It never I'm, reached that
0: point. It would have been, I mean, it's my mind and everything doesn't, I don't have a capacity like, it would be someone else telling me like mm-hmm. it's over. Like, and I always said like, for me, it's like, it's over when I've crashed. I don't want that to happen. I don't, I don't want to put like, this isn't about- putting people's lives in danger this is about a challenge and there is a line which you have to draw when it's like this is too much now and the thing is we're it's four o'clock in the morning nobody is on the mountain apart from us if I keel over on my bike hey it's me who's going to get hurt Mm -hmm. we're not going to jeopardize anyone else the support team I feel for the support team because it's really hard following someone up a climb at four miles an hour five miles an hour for that amount of time looking at the back of a bike with a flashing light It's just mesmerizing and it's like, and I didn't know, I didn't, um, I just, and it puts you into that situation where you're just living for that precise second again. And, and my mind is just like, how do I, I've just got to keep going. I've got to keep going. Okay. My body, like I didn't have cramps. I didn't have, I'm working in a pace, which is just like, let's just keep going. It's a survival pace. Um, and then as soon as the, as soon as you get that element of the sun coming up again, it's like you feel, just born again. And it's, I came, it was, a uh, on the Oberout pass and the sun came up and it was super rich orange light. And I just thought this was the moment where I still had, you know, 300 K to go or something, but it was uh, like everything shifted in a moment. It mm-hmm. was from the unknown from months and months and months of, I've got no idea what, how I'm going to survive this, achieve it to like everything again made sense. And you get into this, for me, it's this, it's, you know, traditional, you could term it as a flow state and it's just the most connected again, feeling that you have with everything you've lived for, for so long. And when I get into that moment that, uh, and I think that's, your mind is now relaxed up until that point my mind was just it was just stressed it was and then i'm relaxed and then when the mind is relaxed it's like i absolutely 100% knew that i was i could do i could achieve what i wanted to do and i have no pain there was nothing it was just pure joy from that point it was still it was still hard work but it was a different it was like i was present in the moment but almost I've described it in the past as being just, just a, just a touch ahead of that moment before it happens. You just feel back in control, and uh, that it's harder and harder to find those moments now because it's a progression. It gets harder to get into that zone. But uh, I remember going up, uh, sort of maybe the third or fourth climb before the end, and just. I was just smiling so much inside because I just knew that I had everything that the right support I had my, my girlfriend with me, which is like, she's she part of everything which I do. It's like life just made sense again. And, and I just was, this is just everything which I've lived for up until this point. And I can't, I can't give any more. I don't want to give any more, but I'm just, Everything is just working as it should be. And I'm just, this is it. This is it. We're just going to keep going. Yeah, I'm it's beautiful. To... I
1: mean, I think what's 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 interesting is, and you know this because you have so much experience, uh, that when you reach that point where you think you're toast and you just can't go anymore, you're just, how am I ever going to make You have a whole other day ahead of you or whatever. You think you'll never dig out of that hole. But then something, you know, moments go by and suddenly you feel different. So you can't judge that that low point as being the be all end all of what the rest of the experience is going no, to be. No, I
0: I think that's a really really good point because um I think for the most part unless you've gone beyond that point the, the, the it's, it's more than a bonking point. It's more than when you run out of energy or and whatever. But if you if you if you step beyond that, again if you just try and go Uh, try and just get your mind to just be quiet for a bit and just accept that you're going to push it really far and just don't complain don't just just bear with me on this Uh, everything will be okay but when once you've gone beyond that point of like where I was having the, the first night in the rain the second night with the. With the, with the hallucinations. And it's like, how on earth, what am I doing? This is this is the point when the brain is saying, right, it's over. Just stop. Just stop. You've done good. You've done all right. But once you go beyond that, I mean, ah, coming up the last mountain, how on earth, I feel good. I feel good. Mm-hmm. I feel like, I mean, I had a little bit of a knee, a little bit of knee ache, um, probably a little bit of tendonitis, but hey, you know what? I've been on the bike for 50 odd hours. It's like, you know, but <laughs> but really I had no, no pain. It was like, this is this because I was just, I think the mind was so in tune with what I wanted to do now and I believed for the first time in months that that we can do it. And and I think that's a really important learning curve for everyone just to – Wherever you think your boundary is if you can if you can get to that point but then step just a little bit further, the whole world opens up again, and it's like, "Wow, I never had a clue
1: I could do that so that's amazing yeah i mean that's that's definitely true, and I think that's where the faith part comes in, the belief part, and the realization that you know the body is capable of so much more than you think it it yeah. can, uh, but it requires you to open yourself up mentally and, and emotionally to avail yourself of that experience before you know Pulling the plug before you, you know, before the miracle happens, you know? And when you've experienced that, there's just, there's nothing, there's nothing like it. So when people say to you, like, why do you do that? You know, why are you doing these things? I mean, that ephemeral moment is priceless. Yeah.
0: It's, it's so hard to explain and try and explain to people because it's a, it's such a feeling. It's, it's hard to put it into a real context and words, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's like, if you could just have the best feeling ever um enjoying something that you truly believe in and you know if you could cup it up and have it any time it's like you know god you you you'd be able to solve so many people's problems because life would be simple again but it's like you have to get that feeling mm-hmm. and it's just the it's just what makes it make well, i think it's what makes all the hard work the sacrifices the the stress the moments of self doubt it it's everything comes together and that's the that's the purest moment of uh, i think which people which athletes from every type of discipline out there and um they they find that moment and and that's what makes it makes the hard work from from some expe- extent seem worthwhile but also gives you that 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 faith to believe that uh, there's more than than just what you're doing at that moment there's more out there and uh, yeah it's pretty humbling to to get to
1: that stage what is the meaning of life what happens when we die what is our purpose here But this quest is incomplete if you have yet to add my friend Dr. Rangan Chatterjee's Feel Better, Live More podcast into your listening quiver. An RRP favorite, and someone I'm personally quick to call when I'm in need of good advice. From nutrition to mindset, fitness, and relationships, each episode is packed with the tools you need to become the architect of your health. Subscribe to Feel Better, Live More, available wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. There are certain rare people who have a powerful voice and know how to use it. My friend Amanda Decadene is one such human. The podcast is called The Conversation because it is the conversation a groundbreaking series of raw and honest exchanges on the issues that matter most. Mental health, sex, politics, ambition, gender roles, and more. Listen to The Conversation wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. What do you say to people that come up to you and say, oh, I'm, "I'm amazed by what you've done, and it's so inspiring, and you know, I, I'd, I'd like to do something too. I just, I don't know how to. What do I do, or how to, you know, what should I do, or how, how yeah. can I have, you know, how can I experience a little bit of?" you know, what you're talking about?
0: Yeah. I mean, first of all, um, and to be honest, we get questions through a lot of the, the projects and activities that we do and and content that we put out there, which is, is similar to that. That's, that's what we're, we're trying to trying to instill that belief. But, uh, you know, I would, I would say, you know, look at where you are now, um, and be realistic about, where you are and where you would hope whatever your dream is it doesn't matter what is your dream because only there's only one person who can stop that dream coming true, and that's you so if you want to take that dream put it on the put it on the table, put it out there, and just work towards it, and say, "Hey, if your goal is to ride one mountain, okay, well, the first step is I need to look at what mountain that is and break it down and make it put it into a tangible way that you can just go, okay." I didn't just dream up oh I'm gonna go and do it, jump on the bike, let's see what happens. Years and years and years of just putting a plan together, working towards it. So first of all is like have the belief, have the actual self belief that the world is out there for for riding, for running, for everything for for business and it's like whatever you want to try and achieve, um break it down and start with that first step and say, right, I want to get to the top of a a mountain. It might be a local hill. It might be, depending on your level, it might be, you know, it
1: might be that mountain might be a a metaphoric mountain, right? This can be a career thing. This can be anything.
0: It could be your nutrition, your food, your diet, your your business. Um, And really, you know, I think what's great is with sport in general, it teaches you so much about not only you as an individual, but how you can apply the hard work, how you can get over the hard times, the moments when the wheels are falling off, the legs are falling off. Everything is, is not going in a direction which you would have hoped it to, to go in. And it's almost like a fast track into understanding that and being able to adjust where you are at that moment in time and t- and take a, hopefully a good decision and move forward. And, um, I've, as I say, i I think, I think that the amount of hours I've spent thinking out on the bike and having that, that That free time and just the giving me, you know, the creative side of like, yeah, I come back from writing and just think, yeah, I've got these ideas now, let's get them down on paper. And, you know, it's a, it's an escapism. And, uh, I would just say that really have an end goal, but don't focus on the end goal, focus on the first step, have that end goal is where you really want to try and get to, but, make sure it's realistic, but then take that first step. And after the first step, you get the second step and then the third step and, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, and just really make it have the belief, you know, make sure that it's something which you really believe in. And then I think there's, you've got all the, all the tools and all the assets to, uh, to bring that to life as long as you believe in it. And, you know, it's part of you and you really want to achieve it, then there's no reason why you can't.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I would add to that that I think a big part of your success equation is what we touched on earlier, which is this idea of how can this be of service to other people? How can how can I incorporate what I'm doing into a context that is that is giving back? Because that seems to be a core component of, of everything that you do, and it, it brushes up against <clears throat> how you work with brands. I mean, we, you've been referencing Mavic throughout the entire conversation. You work with Cannondale. You work with these other brands, and what I see is somebody who – takes those relationships super seriously and 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 not for granted and says how can i benefit these people that are yeah. supporting me how can i really make sure that these people are getting something out of this relationship i see a lot of athletes whether they're triathletes or what how can i they want to be sponsored yeah. right but they just want the free stuff or whatever but they're not thinking about it from the brand's perspective. Yeah, like, what yeah. is the brand getting out of this? What is their ROI? Like, how are they benefiting in this equation? And I see you who really, you appreciate that aspect of it and you're looking like, oh, I can really help Mavic out. I really believe in this, their products, this brand. I think it's a great brand. I like this company. Like, I'm gonna do all these things because I want everybody else to see, you know, yeah. like how great this stuff is. And, and, and you believe that and you live it and you demonstrate that in the work that you're doing.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, um, that, that's right. I mean, looking at, I mean, I've always looked at it and said, there's a racing element of sport. And if you win a race, then you'll get some exposure. That's great. It's That's only open to such a small amount of people There's a tiny percentage. And I was never a prolific winner of like, Oh yeah, you know, you're genetically gifted to be a, a Tour de France winner or even rider. But I could look at it and say, if we do something which helps other people and we put the brands in the right, position then they'll have a like naturally you associate with you make friends and you associate with friends and you ask friends hey what's a good product and because you trust your friends and I wanted to try and take the brands which we work with and represent and I've worked with for many years and I wanted to try and make them friends of everyone which we touch and say we we're offering a free service we want to try and help you okay you know these are the products which have personally helped me and it's a very uh, from from my own sort of perspective, uh, I'm really lucky and 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 glad that I'm able to work with the, the brands which we've worked with for a long time because I've built personal friendships with the brand and I truly believe in them. And a brand can come to us and say, "Hey, we want you to do this and this," but it's like I have to really have the faith. And and they've had to, like, I've had to have used the product and gone like, I know this product works good. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, this really saved my life a few times, quite a few times, in fact. And I know that if I'm in a bad situation, this is a great uh, jacket or whatever it is, or, you know, energy product or, um, so it all comes down to, for me, pure authenticity of like what we're trying to put in front of people isn't a isn't marketing hype this is just what i use and i've used it for years and if you go back and look at the history it's like i've used these these products and these brands for for years and years and years and Mm -hmm. i just tried to look at it and say well how can we how can we actually help these people and put them in put put the put the brand and put the put the company in and and produce uh produce project like the the obviously the latest project with the education and the coal collective is like saying we've got a complete platform now which we're going to just try and help you for free and it's like, okay, you're going to see a few brands, but these guys chip in so that we can actually do it to make mm-hmm. your life easier and better. Um, and it's, it was just looking at it from a different perspective, from a different business perspective on how I could, you know, there's only so many times you can ride 21 mountains and survive. I'm saying, yeah. you know, <laughs> how long's my how, how, how yeah. long are my legs going to last? And I'm sort of right. saying, well, I need to. Oh, I come
1: on, you're young. How old are you? 35. Oh, yeah.
0: whatever. All right. I'm getting old. Get it yeah, and the right, legs are, right. but at the same time it's uh
1: no i get it i, lo- I love it i love it i mean le- we got to talk about i'm going to get crucified if i don't ask you about your nutrition cool. <laughs> you, yeah i love it what do you eat when yeah. you ride these crazy long things what do you eat during training yeah, yeah. how does this all work like how you know how do you make it function
0: for yeah you? that's been a. it's been a topic uh nutrition's been a topic of mine since i was a super young kid and you know the the short story is, uh, when I was racing, you know, I got into racing sort of 13, 14, 15 years old and I was, I thought, well, how can I, how can I get faster? So I naturally, you know, chopped out the chips and the processed food and I tried to eat the baked potato and, and do it all nice and healthily and, uh, and really nice, you know, fast track on 20 odd years. And I've, I've lived really clean and and whole food my whole life, which is quite, unique I guess and there was a lot of times when uh, I was working with Cannondale and then we go out for a meal and everyone's having a few beers and they want to you know they say why are you eating all this you know rabbit food and seeds and nuts mm-hmm. and I was like well you know originally when I was actually living abroad, I was, I was still, uh, you know, I was came from, from home. So, you know, had a home cooked meal, which was great for, for many years. And then when I was cooking for myself, I just wanted to try and keep it as simple as possible. And I was just like, I'm just going to keep it, uh, almost experiment on myself and I'm just going to keep things really simple. And I just bought, you know, good quality whole foods. And, uh, at the time people were like, you can't live on this stuff. It's not possible. And then can't i went, live on whole foods. It's impossible. You have to have this <laughs> process junk. And, uh, <laughs> so so, you know for years and years and years and years I kind of went against the grain and was just riding my bike and uh seemed to get on well with uh you know I ate um you know sort of a, a little little bit of, of fish every now and again but really it was fruit and veg Tons of fruit and veg because I wanted to be a pro cyclist. I wanted to be thin and lean, and, and I thought this is the way. You know, it's it's uh, these are clean foods, and I'm going to do that. But I always ate uh, a little bit of a uh, little bit of fish because I need protein. Cause I've got to get my protein from somewhere. I was like, oh, okay. And I you know I never had a science background in nutrition, and I you know I just did it. What the thing which is unique with what I've done is everything's just been on feel. It's
1: like, hey, I put
0: this in. How do I feel? Yeah, I feel pretty good. Okay, let's do more of that.
1: Um, That's pretty lazy for an engineer yeah i know where's the scientific method in that i was
0: working out other stuff at the time <laughs> probably my brain was yeah. probably muddled with some other equation
1: uh, somewhere your but your uh, power meter
0: yeah exactly that was driving me crazy so uh, but um yeah it's interesting and and just over the years just uh for me personally um the whole sort of ethical side of of uh what I was doing I, I you know I was getting a lot out of the earth I was I was in the mountains I was free and I just thought to myself well hang on a minute if I'm doing if I'm if I'm out enjoying you know nature as it, as it's intended I don't want to strip it I want to enjoy it more <clears throat> so I don't want to strip it out so I just tried to try to be as what i thought was as, as good as i could with with nutrition for forever um and subsequently you know years go on by go pass by and you know i get to big challenges and i mean i work with uh, a nutrition brand and i really like them because they're they're organic they've got a good ethos and uh, but even those guys they said for the big challenges i mean i'm really really simple it's like we made uh, we cooked up some organic uh, wraps and filled them with rice. We, we made some sweet potato. We mm-hmm. put a bit of salt on. And, I mean, those guys, they make uh, energy bars, energy gels, energy drinks. Mm-hmm. They make the traditional really good quality uh, product for um, – the sort of racing cyclist, I guess, the guys who want the quick, quick energy, and I'm sort of saying, well, that's not that's not what I'm about. I'm going to have to try and right, more fuel like myself. Gels and sugar. I mean, I don't, sugar. I just don't do gels. You can't. Forever. Well, there's no way you
1: could do what you yeah. do. Yeah. J- but
0: even when I was even when I was younger, just because it was, I mean, they were expensive when I was a kid, and you mm-hmm. don't have support, and you think, well, okay, I'll just make a jam sandwich or something. You know, it's like you, you know, it's that. It's just keeping it simple at the end of the day and, and sort of, as I say, fast forward uh, to, to the challenges and things like this. And the great thing is the, the guys which I work with um, for, for support with nutrition, they said, yeah, for what you want to do, you need some proper solid food they're not trying to blind they're not saying hey take our product because we need to see it on mm-hmm. the bike and you doing this and this and this they're genuine people they want to see someone try and achieve something and I, that's why i like working with brands who are authentic they have uh, you know a good ethos and um, so really i i survived for i mean my my predominant diet is fruit veg um, i'm now plant powered which for the like last just over a year and that came about thanks to Rich Roll Podcast ah, there you about go, telling me more educated tentacles me- in you. Exactly. About how the proteins in plants I don't need to take on the animal protein. Uh-huh. And, I, and it was really... That was a junction in my life as well where I was getting so confused with people saying, you can't live on the plants, you can't live on the fruit and veg, you're eating too much of that stuff, you need to get some uh, red meat inside and iron and all this. And I said... And I was getting really confused with it. I was thinking, I want to... Please, can I make my life simple? We're getting bombarded with social media. I'm trying to run a business. I've got challenges. I'm trying to do deals with brands. You know, I'm spinning as many plates as I can and and hoping that they're not going to fall to the floor. And then there's the big thing, which is fundamental in everything, is food and nutrition. And I thought, oh God, I'm getting a real headache with all of this. And then, you know, I actually listened to, uh, to the podcast and so many things made sense, which I'd done in my life from a kid about, you know, eating the way I had. Um, about actually the health benefits, about how the fuel is burnt in the body, about the uh, uh, you know sort of reversing diseases and not mm-hmm. adding to the uh, to the potential of of, of developing these diseases uh, and cancers later on, and and I came away and went oh oh, geez, this is so easy now. And I cut out the uh, the dairy, I cut out uh, meat. And it was such an easy decision because it felt so good and so clean and so pure. It, the only ingredient I was missing was someone to tell me that I didn't need the proteins from the animal products because the plants, mm-hmm. you know, the way it's synthesized, if you have a good whole food diet, then you can get that, that protein from the plants. And, and I, you know, as I say, I, I, I didn't have that up until that point. So, you know, it's been a real, it's been a a great journey, but I mean, I've always had that healthy outlook and now I'm on this level and it hasn't really, really hasn't felt, I haven't felt better, any better. Um, I haven't felt, um, and up until that point, I'd say, I was getting confused. And then now, as soon as I'd made the decision, hey, this is what I'm going to do, oh, I've just felt so good because mm. my mind didn't have something to worry about. Like, oh, I'm thinking about something else and I should be doing something like Once this. again, and the
1: decision fatigue is decision- removed. Oh, but, so but, but where the rubber meets the road is how do you feel? Like, how is it working? Yeah. Like, how do you feel on the bike? How do you feel like your power is? How are your climbing legs? Yeah, like, do I you mean, notice a difference or, you know, any of that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I straight away just from, um, from cutting out the, I mean, as I say, I really was, I classed myself vegetarian. I had a, a little bit of fish in my
1: diet, but it was, it was just to keep people happy. I was like,
0: yeah, okay. I have some fish, no worries. You know, you're all good. And, you know, it's like,
1: but I didn't you don't strike me as a guy who, who takes actions to, uh, who spends a lot of time worrying about what other people.
0: Think no, about not really, but probably my folks, you know, yeah. you know, you've got to keep those guys happy. Right. So, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, what, yeah, I just, I just, straight away, I think I'm sort of testament to how much you can push your body through this type of lifestyle. And I mean, I didn't, I didn't ever, um, go, you know, full bore on, on the, the sort of drinking side of stuff. And I always lived a healthy life. So I can't just say, Hey, this is a paradigm shift. This is what mm-hmm. it is. I've always lived healthily. Um, and I've always respected my right. body. It wasn't that, like
1: but... you were eating McDonald's. No. Before, so and I, that... I
0: don't have a, a definite like, Oh, I feel so much better because right. I've, I've made a massive change. I've literally cut a couple of things out, mm-hmm. uh, but now it makes my mind feel so much better. It makes me feel better as an individual from an ethical point of view. It makes me, uh, you know, really, you know, there's so many great stuff which we can cook up and, and, and just make life so much simpler. And with the challenge. I mean, I really, I lived on, uh, the sort of rice wraps, which we made, um, coconut water and a little bit of cereal. Um, just trying to think back a load of water. And I mean, I got to the end, I had no stomach issues, no GI issues, Mm. zero, 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 zero. And it was like, this and I know for a fact that if I'd had a bunch of gels and stuff oh, like that you'd be
1: thrown up like crazy there's no way it's, it's game over this so funny when people say oh, I was doing great doing... in my Iron Man until all this and that and I couldn't yeah. stop throwing up and it's like Hey, you had 30 gels in-
0: and <laughs> the thing is with that that makes me laugh a lot because i yeah. um, you know i shouldn't laugh but break it down again if you you know you were talking about if someone came to you and say hey how can you get to your goal you want to take the step forward and you sort of say straight away marketing marketing is so powerful it's like you need to have the gels and the gatorade and this mm-hmm. and that and the other but if you break it down okay those things are made for fast short exertions and the pros the right. pros are that much more efficient, so they're going to take that much less. And yeah. then they're, they're, they're also out there pinning it.
1: They're at, their, Eight they're, hours. At, they're, at, they're at threshold for that amount yeah. of time. It's a different situation.
0: And then you go, okay, well, what, someone's going to be out there 16 hours maybe or maybe more, mm-hmm. and they're going to be bunging them in every 20 minutes. It's like. God, he just can't be done. So I was, uh, even on the recon, we we played around with rice and chickpeas and bung a few nuts in and just tried to keep it as as easy as possible. And there was not one moment where I just thought I'm lacking something. And I think the, the amazing thing is also from a palatable point of view, it was just like, I was still wanting up until actually where about 40 plus hours in that, that's the moment where I'm like, now I feel totally in control. That's where, mm-hmm. and then I don't even feel hungry. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, probably because I've taken on, you know, I'm I'm regularly feeding, and then it's just the whole body and mind for me is just completely in sync. And uh, I just think if you're if you're really, really, really pushing the boundaries, then uh, certainly clean living. I've I've felt from the the whole plant powered um, uh, way of living the last year. Uh, I've really never felt uh, never felt better. Um, although I, you know full disclosure to to your listeners uh, I did some the first time ever I did some some blood tests just before the road to Mont Blanc because mm-hmm. I was feeling really stressed out, and you know i just wasn 't myself I was just like what 's going on my i can 't cope with the simple tasks I was just the business was was a lot of work to be done there 's a lot of training to be done, and uh you know the I can't really, I mean, I've, I've made a few adjustments, I've upped, uh, you know, fat intake, I was always like, oh, fat is the enemy still, and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so really, really looking at the healthy fats, the omegas, the nuts, the seeds, uh, the nut butters, I've, I've upped a lot in my diet, and but the thing is, the results I got back were taken when I was at the absolute extreme part of my training. Mm-hmm. So... I know
1: you depleted like what well, what did it show Yeah
0: I mean it just said like you know high high cortisol level lower right. testosterone and it and it was all based That's around
1: fatigue fatigue. Yeah. But
0: the thing is, of course, I'm, I'm in the last big block of my training. <laughs> I was riding yeah. 35 hours a week, training 35 hours a week, even slightly more on the really big weeks. still working 100%. You know, we run a business. We can't right. just say, hey, I'm out a week. We run a business. So, I mean, and I said, yeah, okay, those results, if you look at them, you'll go, oh, well, you need to do this and you need to eat some of that. But hey, I was absolutely stripping my body. I was trying to get to a certain weight for the challenge. So you're putting so much stress on everything. So I can't take that as a, you know, as a fair uh, synopsis of right. my being. Um, and I feel much, you know, after that, you know, the training backed off and the stress levels came back to where they should be. But, uh, you know, I, I would just, I just think really it all comes down to diets in general. Um, and it's kind of a, a, it should be simple, but there's so many, c- there's so much conflicting uh, research out there now that if you want to eat paleo you'll find something which says it's the best diet if you want to eat plant-powered you'll find something that says it's the best diet Mm -hmm. if you want to eat junk food you'll find something somewhere which says hey this is great but you know it's like you have to for me it was a case of what feels right for me. Um, and that was always the healthy side. Um, and now I feel even better just purely because, you know, I know that I can nourish, uh, my body. You still have to pay attention to it, but there's just such good quality, uh, clean food out there. Um, and it's getting more and more accepted as well. And mm-hmm. you look at the ethical side of it and say, I want to enjoy the planet. I want to enjoy the world. I don't want to strip it bare. That's a selfish attitude for me. Um, uh, but it starts with the individual because you can't just tell someone do this because as soon as they feel like they're on a regime, it's not going to work.
1: No, of course not. I mean, you, you definitely can't do that, but I think it is, you touch on something that's really important uh, to to footnote, which is there are a lot of people who I think would be keen on it, but they believe, they're under the impression that if they do it, their health is going to suffer, right? Like, oh, I would do that, but like if I do that, I'm going to be unhealthy, so I'm unwilling to do that. So... To come to a place of realization that like, you're not actually sacrificing yeah. your health, and that someone like yourself could go and do these crazy challenges that you've done eating this way, and you, you look you look perfectly yeah. fine right now. You're breathing. I feel and, good. <laughs>
0: <you're>, <laughs> I feel great.
1: Is <laughs> <you know, laughs> uh, like, oh, wow. Okay, I don't have to sacrifice yeah. that, and I can do this thing that that tastes good and it's more sustainable for the planet. It's more, you know, it just, I don't know, but it's a personal thing, right? Yeah. Does it agree with you or does yeah,
0: it? Yeah, I mean, I think there's also the, the aspect from my situation, I mean, we're all a product of, of what we're told in the media and we're preached to for many years. And you know I always looked at it and said, you know, marketing, I've come from a marketing background now and you know, the message which you can convey to someone lives with them and for years and years and years it was like, you need X amount of protein, you need to get it from these sources. Um, you know, you need to drink calcium and milk for your bones and when you actually delve into it it's like it's there's so much stuff is said because hey you know what who's saying it right why are are they saying it and like they're saying it because you know they need to keep industries alive and is it really good for us okay, it is good for us because that person's saying it's good for us, but no, is it really good for you? And then mm-hmm. you have to, that's where the education side comes in. And as I say, uh, the internet, a, it's a hard place to navigate to find the answers. So you have to believe in what you you're can doing. You find support for everything, everything there. So
1: it's yeah. not just about educating yourself to be able to read a nutrition label. You have to learn how to read beyond the label, yeah. behind the label. But then you know? also- And who has the time for that? Not, you know, like, no know, so no one,
0: yeah. Yeah but i mean i would say that the the most important thing is do and and try try it for yourself um see how you feel and adjust accordingly and like based on your own experiences you know turn the computer off flip the laptop uh, screen down and just like hey go in with an open up, open mind and just say let's go and see how this feels and you know there's plenty of people who are uh, living on a, a a clean whole food diet like uh plant powered like this which are doing incredible things and you know you'd look at them and say god i mean i just look at i look at you know, some of the things which I've achieved and I think there's no way, there's zero, zero way. But your body is such an amazing thing that you put the right fuel in, you put the clean fuel in. And, you know, it's always a joke that, uh, you know, I go to, I mean, we went, uh, yeah, we went out to some friends a couple of nights ago here, which we met and we took them some uh, bottle of wine over to, to you know, be the perfect perfect guest sort of mm-hmm. thing and I go into the supermarket and it's like yeah have your ID and that and I'm thinking well, I'm 35 years old. Mm-hmm. It's like I mean, you know, you put good stuff in, you you probably, you know, you're out in the fresh air a lot then, you know, these things all pay off. So I think, you know, it starts with ev- everything starts with what you put in your mouth and you know, from your mental well-being to your physical well-being and it's fueling correctly, but very importantly, finding what uh, what fuel system works for you, and and you know what you really believe in, and then uh, try it and see.
1: Couldn't couldn't say it better myself. Are you? Uh, how's it? How's it go over in the south of England?
0: Well, it's a lot harder. I mean, we've been out here for the last week, uh-huh. uh, and you know, we we generally we cook at home. We just cook at home because it's it's difficult. It, we're we're definitely uh, certainly if you're in London, you can basically get anything. It's not a problem. But we're we're an hour, hour and a half out of London, and mm-hmm. you know, the local pubs and whatever bars, they're not geared up for any of this. They, you know, you might right. find a vegetarian option, but then it's got a bunch of cheese on and this and that, and you just end up being the problem problem child, and <laughs> you know, it's not it's not you don't want to inflict that that no. that onto anyone. That so. Does was, culturally, that's not going on. Nah, right so either. we, we, we really simply, really cleanly. And, you know, I start the day, you know, just like, uh, like anyone else, you know, the smoothies, the blend, blend, it all up and, you know, bung everything in the fridge in there, get a load of green in there and, uh, yeah. And just start the day good. And, you know, just simple stuff, fruits, vegetables, and cook oh, some I... good stuff up, quinoa and yeah, a bit of rice occasionally. But I, that was, again, from my background, quite interestingly you know i i never ate like a load a load of the you know pastas and this and that i was always like because it was like Hey, let's do it with the fruit and veg, the high water content, the mm-hmm. nutrient dense. Uh, you know, nuts and seeds uh, came later when I learned a bit more about how healthy these these fats are and how essential they are. But uh, you know, I was a kid, and it's like you right. know, and it was a, I'm just a pure product of experimentation. Of like,
1: you, you, you wanted that Tour de France physique, yeah, yeah you know? I
0: needed the yeah, exactly. <laughs> I needed the, the emaciated look, <laughs> but uh, it's all good. No, I'd say you know, just go and experience it and 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 see what works for you. And I'm I'm pretty sure that you'll be amazed. If you get the the mind and the body right and the and the food right, then yeah, it's incredible
1: what you can achieve. Game is on.
0: The game is on. I love
1: how uh, you're staying here uh, in Westlake, and you're literally right next door to Joy Cafe. It's amazing. So <laughs> we, you know, we just had a few meals there. Oh, yeah.
0: Man, it was so good. Good, we, right? We've been here for uh, three years, a couple of years with Cannondale, uh, launching the, the team here, and and then this year we just came back because we we really like the place, and and obviously Joy's just opened and heard about it on the podcast. So I thought, hey, I'm going to have to go down there mm-hmm. and check it out. And they do, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a it's a, a whole yeah new new area. Hopefully, it's just going to spread and people more people are going to get involved and join the uh, join the whole message and enjoy the food. And yeah, it's incredible.
1: No doubt, that's what's happening. All right, man. Well, we got to uh, we got to close it down. Cool. That was awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Yeah, thank you. And uh, you guys are off to New York shortly, right? Yeah,
0: we're going to shoot off there uh, a couple of days' time. So we've got Cannondale launch, uh, so stay tuned for that. They've got a new Cannondale Garmin team, which is going to be exciting. They for they to be the uh, unveiling a new bike? Uh, not at the launch, <sighs> but a new race bike, probably Colourway and kit. Uh-huh. And yeah, they're gonna, those guys are going to be ripping out for the season. So I get to see loads of our hard work uh, up on the big screen, which is going to be fulfilling. And uh, it's all going to be good.
1: That's cool. And uh, what else do you have coming up? Do you have any public speaking engagements or uh, new challenges that you're mulling about?
0: Yeah, we're um, actually at the launch. It's funny how the the whole cycling world's so small. So Mavic, obviously one of the brands which we work with, they also sponsor the Cannondale mm-hmm. team. So I'll meet up with those guys in New York, and we'll all sit down and we'll start planning. We've got a few ideas. I mean, I would like to certainly progress everything which we've done, cold collective wise. Uh, look at different regions. Maybe we can get out here and. Uh, uh, sort of tap into a little bit of the u.s and i've got a little bit of an inkling and a little bit of an idea for something in the rockies i like altitude and gravel and that really starts getting really out in the unknown then so mm-hmm. maybe something uh, out there and interesting just keeping it real
1: all right i love it man well uh if you do you're gonna have to uh come back on and tell me all about for it for sure
0: 100 yeah. percent. i say, just say uh you know, thanks thanks so much for the opportunity. It's been it's been fascinating to see your journey and learn a little bit about what you've done, and and just it does feel very surreal actually being sat here now, just knowing you know what, what you've been through, and you know applaud you for uh, for the courage it's taken to make the steps in your life to make a change, and then ultimately you know make a very positive change to so so many thousands of people around the world. I think it's uh, you know respect. Thanks man I appreciate that
1: very much. I should have uh have you back for a private podcast chat on uh to tap into your marketing expertise. Let's do it. Have you tell me what Let's I should do be it. doing.
0: No, I'm always happy to help. Yeah. It's like you help me a lot so always happy, no problem whatsoever.
1: Uh, very cool man. Um all right great. Well, if you uh if you're digging on Mike, the best way to learn more about him is to go to his website mikecotti.com cotty. Yeah, and you're on Twitter yeah, at Cotty Dale. That's the one. I mean, it's everything's. Pretty much into into Leeds, so to you find. can
0: find anything, if you like yeah. anything which we do, you'll find me somewhere. Just you know, Mike Cotty, Cotty Dale, or yeah, thecoalcollective.com. dot Right, them. and
1: the 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 Coal Collective because I'll describe it in the, when I do the introduction, but we didn't get into you know the full detail detail of it. But Coal Collective, C O L Collective com. Yeah. Coal means climb. Yep, that's and the one. Uh, it's a series of videos where Mike literally walks you through what it's like uh, to experience climbing these amazing mountains that you see when you watch the Tour de France across the Alps, the Pyrenees, and the Dolomites. And it's beautiful. And I love the latest one that you just put up where you (laughs) have this experience with uh, the sheep herder and you have this little moment with him. You you really get a sense of like, what it's like to really be on these beautiful mountains i mean the landscapes are just extraordinary yeah. and you, it, so you have the kind of scenic aspect of it but you also say here's what you want to bear in mind if you're going to be riding up this mountain for the next you know 20 kilometers at an 8.9 yeah. percent grade or whatever
0: yeah just right? look at keep your eyes open and uh, that's as i said i think we said in on it earlier it's like such an important part I, I didn't want to just produce content which was like just just the education side. This is where it gets hard. It was like, and the the last video, which we just put out, it was a, it was, it was a rainy day. It was one of the only rainy days we had. And we were all like, Oh, how are we going to make this look inspirational? And suddenly we had this, this moment we had, uh, with a, with a shepherd on the passage, which was just the, probably the best moment. I actually summed it up as the best moment of last year. Um, as I got to the end of 2014, I looked back and said, what was my highlight? And it was like the, the humble moment of just Five minutes with a shepherd and actually understanding what they go through, and they are the king of the mountain. Not mm-hmm. we're not we're just enjoying a little bit of their space.
1: And that guy was a real deal. He, he yeah, yeah, yeah. we we like,
0: oh. we saw shepherds from afar on our travels and our filming and they're really they're like enigmas and I and we, we would spend hours driving from one mountain range to the next like how does a shepherd's life actually work I don't understand it how do they uh-huh. how do they feed themselves hey they've got a load <laughs> of sheep where are they sleeping where do they sleep and it turned out and uh, our videographer's Italian so he managed to strike a conversation up with this this shepherd and and uh, they have a four by four there's two of them one walks they walk from the Dolomites to Slovenia Dolomites in the summer Slovenia in the winter when it's, mm-hmm. when it's cold and they just walk across the fields and they keep moving the sheep all year long 365 Mm. days a year um and one's driving and then they rotate and then they'll drop into a village or a town and they're really treated well so if they go to a bar they'll get you know they'll get some concession they'll get Mm. free food or whatever and but what struck me was it was really really like that was a moment where i could see in his face he was really glowing like I shook his hand. I saw his the, the look in his eyes was like, "Oh my God, this is real. This is a real mountain person." And like, we looked at the video, and I just kept looking, like, he's really, lit. Like, he's really proud. He's happy, and I'm like, and I thought it's really sad because he's never going to see this video. He just he doesn't know Facebook, yeah, he's Twitter. Not, uh,
1: he's not out, you know, on his iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> he's not going to go. oh
0: yeah, where's let's Instagram that moment? It's core There it is. But it was just this, and we 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 sort of got back afterwards and said, "Wow, that's just." Hopefully people appreciate it because I, I, they're the moments which I just want to bring to life for the mountains. They're the proper special moments. So, hey, if you like it, check it out.
1: It's a beautiful thing. All right, man, you want to take us out? You know, You know how to take us out here, right? Yeah, I know. All right, let's go for it. Peace, plants. All right, we did it. Good guy, right? I mean, Mike's just one of those guys. He's like one of those guys that just... He gets stuff done. He does what he says he's going to do. He's not afraid to follow his passion. And I think we can all learn from that and find little nuggets to incorporate into our own life. So I hope you enjoyed it. I dug it, I thought it was cool. For all your plant power provisions, go to richroll.com. We got new t shirts. I got the plant power license plate t shirts there. We got the tech tees for running. Uh, we got nutritional products, we got digital products, we got our meditation program, blah, blah, blah. Tons of great stuff, so check that out. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to my newsletter for a free 7 Recipe download and to stay clued in as to what's what. Hit us up with a review on iTunes, send me your questions for future Q&A podcasts. Production and audio engineering and music and sound design for today's show was done by Tyler Pyatt. Thanks, Ty. Additional production and editorial support by Chris Swan and graphic art, as always, by the very talented Sean Patterson. Thank you, guys, and I will see you next week. Peace. Plants. I'm going to go run in the slush and the snow right now.